Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat. All these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. Hey, it's Captain Justin Leet with Chasing the Sun TV. Join me and Meredith for the best fish in action along the coast of Panama City Beach. Tune in to new episodes every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. River Rats, you are listening to the River Certified Podcast with Spencer Bauer and Ryan Tassler and an array of guests where we cover the fun, interesting, and sometimes rugged parts of spending life on or near the water. So I have a big announcement. Hank asked me about it a minute ago, but the Certified Swimmer is on the market, along with the Certified Welterweight. That leaves a little bit... Oh, right. That, that's your twist tail or your split tail? The split tails. It's the a certified welterweight. Because there's going to be a certified lightweight. In, Is that a crappie jig? Yeah. And the nice. crappies do eat it. I can confirm. <laughs> the white bass will eat the welterweight and the lightweight. Nice. And then the, the next one, which caters to me more, is the heavyweight. <laughs> that one's not here yet. But the, the lightweight and the welterweight are. I'll, they'll be linked in the description if you want to check those out. So is the heavyweight more of a flathead lure, like a six inch? No, or? it'd be like, um, it'll be either four and a half or five inch grub style split tail plastic, like grub body split tail plastic that's geared towards fall time. Bass, hybrid stripers, white bass will eat them, walleyes will eat them. I mean, it looks like a fish, so anything that looks like a fish is going to eat it. Yeah. And I don't know, fish with stripes love split tail plastics for some reason. Yeah, and those swim baits, they devour them as well. Your paddle tails. I have not caught a white bass on a paddle tail yet. Really? Certified sw- well, I mean, not that particular one. I but, think it's user error but, myself. But <laughs> I can confirm that. that Operator I, issues. Huh? Yes. Well, most of my problems can always be taken back to that point. <laughs> All right, but that's the, the big announcement. The other thing, if you want to help that's with the awesome. podcast, is leave a review on Apple. I usually say it at the end, but I'm going to say it at the beginning on this one. That helps out a ton. Unless you leave a jerk of a review, then that doesn't help us. Then just mention my name. Keep yeah, Spencer just, out of it. It's, He's I'm, sensitive. I'm sensitive. <laughs> and that's what Ryan's here for more than anything. <laughs> but I have a big question for you, Hank. And we'll get to your introductions in a second. Okay, shoot. But, go ahead. Well, I guess I, I didn't ask you first, though. Are you a mushroom hunter? <laughs> I'm a mushroom hunter. I'm very seldom a mushroom finder. Okay. <laughs> I See, I can relate on that. More of a stroller. Ryan is the mushroom hunter, man. I love it. I love it. I can't wait till the the soil temp gets up to fifty and things start coming alive. So, yeah. I, I, as a turkey hunter, I go back and forth on this because I'm a mushroom hunter, not a mushroom finder, but I do hunt them. 
like there's a tipping point when I'm hunting turkeys where I just feel like it's not going to happen. And then I start looking for mushrooms. But usually that's like 8.30 in the morning. Well, You're like, I'm, 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 I'm over this. I'm Already. looking for a second cup of coffee at 8.30 generally. Well, where we go, uh, once we start giving up on the mushrooms, it's too easy to go start chasing crappies instead of oh, morels. So yeah. we, we head for the farm ponds. That's my issue. And one of the things where I'm not a very good turkey hunter partially because I'm not a very good turkey hunter, but partially because I don't spend enough time in the woods because I'll be sitting there, they'll hit the ground, they'll gobble once, then they'll shut up, and the woods are quiet, and I'm thinking... I blew it. I, I blew it. <laughs> yeah. But the crop- doggone call. <laughs> but the crappies, the crappies don't care how stupid I sound, thankfully, yes, so I'll go absolutely. chase those. Yeah, and, and you don't have to get up an hour before the sun to get those crappies. No, no. But there's nothing better than finding a mess of mushrooms. And that makes me go crappie fishing because so you can, when I go home to cook the mushrooms, you need your main I want course. nice, fresh fillets with it. You got your so, side dish. Yeah. You can't beat it. It's just no. fabulous. So at what point in the day, though, do you quit like the tipping point where you're like, I'm going crappie fishing or I'm going mushroom hunting? Well, what we usually do down there, of course, we get up and try to get them off the roost and right. come in. And when that doesn't happen, uh, about 9 o'clock, we head into the little cafe in town and have a fabulous breakfast which is topped off then by me uh, with a nap oh so uh <laughs> absolutely so, so now after i've uh, recharged the batteries a couple it's hours, like a brand new day uh, <laughs> two days in one <laughs> so then go catch a few crappies but then late afternoon when there's still enough time i'll usually head back to another blind and, mm-hmm. and see if i just get one to walk by have you ever killed mm-hmm. a turkey like in the evenings not like close to closing time, but mm-hmm. I've probably shot more from noon on than I have in the early mornings. Man, so many people say that. And like I said, I'm not a very good turkey hunter, and every year I get more and more into it, it seems like. But the majority of mine have been those birds off the roost. Yeah, I think maybe mm-hmm. that happens for me just because I'm a lazy turkey hunter, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, when it's cold like it has been, it's pretty tough to get up pre dawn. Oh, dude. Go out and sit on. In a blind. Or- Saturday morning, it was 22. Yeah. In southern Iowa. Maybe it was 26. Whatever. Like, it's <laughs> it, below freezing. Yeah, at that April. point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I shot a bird Easter Sunday afternoon um, in about two inches snow. Let's just say he knocked the snow off his back <laughs> when he shot him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was concerned. My beautiful, sexy decoy out there that I call Guinevere, she was getting... That's a wonderful name for a <laughs> turkey got, decoy. She's got green eyes. There's an old song about that. But anyway, she was getting covered with snow. Yeah. But now you, you don't want to get out of the blind to scurry out there to brush her right, off. You, right. you kind of have to just live through it. And... <laughs> it's the mystique that brings them in. But, but those birds didn't mind, thankfully. Yeah. Well, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Okay, my name is Hank Kohler. Um, I live in Ames now. I grew up on a farm outside of Remsen, Iowa, northwest Iowa. Uh, was in the pizza business. After I had a degree in education, I ended up teaching people to make and eat pizza instead of uh, become you don't, a teacher like you, you were. You don't have to teach me how to eat pizza, Hank. <laughs> I'm pretty well, I, was I might to be a PhD candidate. That's that. genetically in, induced. Right? I guess you could say I was trying to convince uh, people that were customers of my competitors uh, to come and eat my pizza. I'm following. Absolutely. You know? Well, but, sounds uh, like you had some staying power, so you must not have been too bad at it. Uh, we had a good product, and we had great people that, mm-hmm. that worked for us. I own the Happy Joe's franchise in Ames for 
well, that duration until the big flood of 2010. So, uh, you know, our simple mantra was be nice to people and make a good product. It's amazing yeah. how far being nice to some, like just being a nice person will take you. Yeah, like, absolutely. I'm, a, I'm pretty fortunate where I just revert back to being nice, except to Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> then it's kind of the opposite. But I've never regretted being a kind person. Like even if I was taken advantage of in some capacity – by being the nice guy in the grand scheme of things, I feel like I'm better off because, because it just of makes it. a day better. You can go to sleep. You don't have to think about anything. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I did did the best I could today. That's a great, great, great thing to follow. That's awesome. Hey, Ryan, I got a question that just popped up in my head. If you had to pick, because we're going to follow this up with hunting False. or fishing. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you had a 50-50 shot <laughs> and you blew it. Tanked it. If you had to pick between trapping and fishing, like you could do one or the other, what do you pick? What at? time of year is it? No, just for <laughs> for the rest of your life. Fishing. Really? Yeah. That surprises me. Trapping. You didn't even think twice about no, it. No, because trapping is a short season yeah. around here. Yeah. Because, you know, the first Saturday in November is Christmas Eve. The first Sunday in November is Christmas morning. And then you bust butt for about, usually you get about three weeks before the, the frost sets in hard, and then it becomes work. Yeah. When the water starts freezing, the ground's frozen. It's a lot of work to get out of bed at 3.30 in the morning. And, well, dude, you do it you every know. day. And I was supposed to join you, and I didn't even do it once. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you out there. Like I said, you we kind of planned a, a day during the week, because that was the only time that you had open, and... During the week, it's just get it bust done. your butt, you know, run a hundred traps, and then get get to work by seven o'clock in the morning. So Jeez. there's there's not a whole lot of uh, time to enjoy the process. We're on the weekends. I usually take my kids or take my trapping partner's kids, and we we spend a whole day out there on something that I try to knock out in three four hours mm-hmm. during the week. So. What species are you targeting mostly? Uh, mainly beaver and coyote, because that's what the farmers need out you know that's that's what does the most damage i do a lot of coyote or uh, raccoon trapping for the same reasons but you know i just just kind of whatever my landowner needs taken out in this I, local area around yeah, central Iowa. yeah I, I live over well we're not going to say but 30 <laughs> 30 miles to the to the west of us is where i live so that that area i've okay. got i've got probably 15 landowners that kind of depend on me to to do you get anything everything. for the furs are they worth it not really the last couple of years but you know in years past it's it's been profitable do but. you see or or trap any bobcat at any time yeah i've caught probably 13 in the last i think it's 13 13 or 15 in the last four years yeah, where and, we where we turkey hunt down there, we're seeing oh, a lot it's more loaded them. with them down yeah. there. Yeah. Um, on the trail camps, you know, we put cams out in some yep. places. We're going to put blinds or just when we see them. Which uh, you call them in every once in a while when you're turkey hunting. Oh, I'm not trying to. I don't know if I <laughs> if I did. Yeah, yeah. Just because I'm I'm well, barking for a tom, they'll come in. And you well, I've what? I've had coyotes. I've called in coyotes <clears throat> while I was turkey hunting inadvertently, and I mean they're both predators, so uh-huh. stands the reason that you yeah, might, I guess no, I possibly call one in. I tell and, you what, and bobcat are actually easier to call in than coyote. Really? They're, they're a lot less shy because they don't have the pressure that the coyotes do now. Right. You know. Interesting. Yeah. I've always I don't know. Well, well. We'll go down that later, but uh, oh, back to the coyote. 
the coyote that I called in, he was going a hundred miles an hour. He popped up over this ridge about seventy five yards away, like full stride, balls the walls. Well, you know how fast turkey did, are. Did he right? have a decoy? <laughs> no, we didn't have a decoy out, but he oh. got about where he's about thirty twenty five thirty yards away from us. And he saw us, knew the gig was up, and he hit the brakes. And I bet he slid three yards, like two to three yards. And as soon as he could turn around, he turned around and was just as fast the other direction. Just like the Wiley one with the Roadrunner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, but the signs came up. I saw a beaver a week ago that made me think of you. It was monstrosaurus like yeah i don't know how big they 60 get. 70 pound he, it, I, I feel comfortable saying by the time you look at one and you're like that is huge it's usually 60 to 70 pounds he, he was huge yeah and he, he swam from me to hank away yeah wow that's yeah. cool were you on shore in a vessel i was on shore casting for walleyes and saw him down river and he went under didn't slap his tail Sw- you could see the wake Oh, him yeah. swimming under the water and he well, pops up right well truthfully the big ones are kind of like a flathead they own their back. area laid yeah back. yeah they've got a lot less to worry about than a younger beaver does oh so. and i did see two otters on the river two weeks ago i yeah. got some sweet cool. footage of them like i'll have to show you guys That's yeah cool. the the number of otters have just skyrocketed in our area anyway yeah. well I, I, mean, I i could before i moved up here i could count on two fingers, how many times I've seen otters? <laughs> how many is that? <laughs> <laughs> how many times would that be? And now, now we're up to two hands. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I got my greatest otter story was uh, three winters ago or falls ago. I was waterfowl hunting in southwest Iowa on one of the lakes we won't mention, uh, but it, but it was legal. I mean, anyway. <laughs> right, right. But it had got too cold. City it park in Ankeny. <laughs> Those are legal got, too. <laughs> It had gotten too cold the night before, and I had to bust the, the little thin ice, you know, to throw my decoys out so at least mm-hmm. it float around. I probably shouldn't have been there, but I was there, so I stayed. And I'm sitting there in that thin, oh, quarter inch of ice in this whole bay. All of a sudden, like a whack-a-mole thing, here this otter, pop, he broke through the ice. What? <laughs> looked around, took a breath, went back down, and then you kind of look, where's he going to come up? Where's he? All of a sudden, pop, he bounced through the ice <laughs> No there. kidding. He did it about seven times. I took a video of him busting through the ice and just looking around. Like I said, it was just like whack-a-mole. That'd be something to see, <laughs> it was man. Cool. That would be. I'm just tickled when I see him under normal circumstances. That would be they, pretty sweet. They are fun to watch in the wild because they're just, it's like they have ADD. I yeah. mean, there's just no train yeah. of thought. There's no, no rationale of what they, they do. They were scolding me the last <laughs> ones I saw. They kept popping their heads up and looking and hissing at me. <laughs> they're they're pretty tough. Yeah. I tell you what, it's happened to me two or three times when I was way up in, in Canada someplace, you know, where you don't expect to have too many sounds. And if you haven't seen him first, and let's say you're looking the other direction, maybe paddling or something or floating, and you'll hear this... <sighs> And at first, when I first heard it, I thought, I wonder what the hell that is. Then when I saw what it was, from that point on in my life, I'm looking around and go, where's the otter? You recognize it. Yeah. Well, what, what happens sometimes, they're down underwater so long, the first thing they do when they hit the surface big breath. is suck in a big old breath. Okay. And if it's quiet, you can hear it from a long ways away. Mm-hmm. I've never picked that up. That's, yeah. that's well, interesting. Well, it kind of reminds me of like drumming from a turkey. Like how many, everybody knows turkeys gobble, but I but bet the, there's the a... spitting and drumming? Yeah, yeah, I bet there's yeah. a pile of people that don't turkey hunt. That don't. I've never heard that sound. Yeah, yeah. and it's pretty cool. Yeah. It yeah. is real cool. 
Yeah. And I have no idea how they Could make it. Could you imitate that for us quick? Yeah. Like, let's. let's <laughs> I, that was horrible. That was, that was, <laughs> I do the best I can. Now these listeners still don't know what it sounds like. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> All right, Hank, if you had to pick between hunting or fishing or trapping, I don't know if you. Do. I don't trap. I, I never have trapped like, like Ryan when I was a kid on the farm. I would just get the pocket gophers because I could take them over to the county seat in Lamar's and mm-hmm. get a dime for every two feet. That's how I started. So, I really? got, yeah, my mom would pay me a quarter for every rat I'd catch. So that was my start <laughs> to the trapping business because we live, we grew up on an acreage right across from the co-op. Oh, so, thick with rats. Oh, yes. Yeah. You could see them run across the road as soon as they started dumping corn. When's it the last just, time you saw a rat? I caught one last year at a farm pond. All right, let's, but, remo- let's okay, remove whoa, whoa. your trapping. You, you caught a rat at a farm pond. Yeah, I was uh, trapping fishing? muskrats. Oh, no, yeah. I was trapping muskrats, <laughs> and I caught a barn rat in the water. It, oh, that's weird. Yeah, it was the first. Weird. I'd, I'd but but aside from but, trapping, when's the last time you saw a rat? Childhood. It's been a long time. Red. Oh, I can't say names. A spillway. Yeah. Where there was more trash. <laughs> it starts with the red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That, laughs> The Red River. Uh, <laughs> the Red Sea. Yeah. Any of those. But uh, it was, uh, he was freaking shoulders deep into a McDonald's bag just <laughs> oh, getting man. after it. He was loving it. Yeah. Well, they, they answer your question because we kind of got off sidetracked that, there standard. with the rodents. Yep, but, that's normal. Uh, oh, God, that would be hard because as poor as I am at it, I love to turkey hunt. Yep. And I love to snow goose hunt. and. But I guess I'd have to say fishing. Um, and I love living at this latitude as far as fishing, so you see the different uh, ways to go at it, you know, oh, from yeah. drilling the holes through the ice to the spring, you know. Well, that's what Iowa has really to, going for it is the variety. Oh, yeah. yeah. I couldn't live someplace that didn't have the four seasons because I – Oh, I could. I, I, just, <laughs> oh, I, could. No, I, I just appreciate the change so much. Yeah. Sure. It just gives you something different to look forward to. So well, other to than fishing. the extreme south – uh, pretty much everywhere has a spring, summer, fall, and winter. But the winter Just the duration, yeah, I guess that's well said. Yeah. And this yeah. has been a long winter. This one's yeah. hanging oh, on. Man. Yeah. I'm wearing shorts today just as a rebellion. <laughs> Not <laughs> I <like>. protested. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you just wanted to show off that ink. You no, know? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I protested a couple of weeks ago. It was nice for like a day and a half, and then I just. The bottom fell out, and I'm like, "Yeah, I got my shorts on. I'm not changing." Yep. I've wore shorts <laughs> twice this week, and it was the first time I've wore shorts since I was in Florida. <laughs> and the irony of when I was down there, there was most of the days down there were warmer in January than any day we've had since I've been back. <laughs> well, that's the reason why people go down there in the winter. All right, I got to hear you guys' opinion on this. This came in through an email, and um, oh man. I can't remember. What's the kid's name that emails us every once in a while? Ryan? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I feel no. like I'm kind of an asshole. Is it Alex? It. The one we sent some stuff to? Yeah, Alex. Yes. Yes. Alex sent me an email, and he had a proposition of an idea of what I should do on a video, and I'm debating. Alex is from what? Missouri? Yeah. He's yeah. from down in Missouri. Good kid from what I can gather. Yeah. He, uh, he said, I because... He listened to the podcast where I mentioned I like spicy stuff. He said I should do, you know what the one chip challenge is, Hank? Ever? No, I don't. Uh-uh. So they have this chip, 
you buy this big box that's like the shape of a coffin with a single chip in it. <laughs> and the chip is supposed to be the hottest thing on planet Earth, maybe the Milky Way galaxy. Uh-huh. And you eat this chip. And his, his proposition was that I should eat this chip with no milk, no water, and then have those things sitting there, and I can drink them once I catch a catfish. But not until I've not caught a catfish. Oh, wow. <laughs> so would, you're going to be in agony... I would probably until you hook oh, up. Oh yeah. yeah, I did. I did the one peanut challenge, and I made sure to pronounce peanut. my syllables very well on there. <laughs> one peanut <laughs> challenge, and that was fiery, man. Like I, I, I don't mind hot stuff. I mean, I'll eat. Uh, There's uh, levels. I'll eat a raw <laughs> ghost pepper. I don't care with no water. It's not that big of a deal. But that peanut made me like nauseous. It was so hot. Oh wow! See, that's no fun to yeah. eat something that makes you feel bad. Right, I, agree. I like things that are hot, but I want to enjoy it. it 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, flavor is more important than the hotness to me. If it's so hot that it tastes I mean, bad, then you, why eat it? You could just take the extract and put it on stuff, and and that would be amazingly hot. But the flavor would be garbage. Yeah, yeah. Give, give me some good taste yeah. of hot stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. like I like habaneros way more than jalapenos just because of flavor. I yes. like the, yep, the I'm with flavor you. of the habanero way better. But I, I like the uh, the thoughts he had be t- behind that challenge. Oh, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I don't you know, know if I'm going to do it, but <laughs> you, you better be on the river and right where you want to be. Well, it makes and, me and th- bait your hook before you touch the chip because you don't want that on your bait. No, then you ain't catching nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sucked. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Are right. you still here? That's accurate. <laughs> No, it made me think of a. I made a bet with a buddy in high school that I could catch a catfish in under five minutes. It was a five dollar bet, so five bucks for cat in five minutes, and I won my five bucks. But five minutes could feel like an hour if you eat the. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. You got that yeah. chip, you know. Yeah. Did you have a nibble before you bet? You see your, your pull strike. You're like, I bet you five dollars. I'll catch a fish in nope. five minutes. Nope. I, me, and, me and Hank were talking about being able to read the river, and we were down at this bridge, and there was a spot where, I mean, this this creek I grew up on is channelized. It's straight as an arrow, but it, once you get to know it a little bit, all you need is a little, just a little, sw- like a little tilt in the yeah. channel. Something Especially, that made it bend. Just mild, though, because there yeah. wasn't any real river bends, and there was one yeah. spot next to this bridge that had a tree that fell down, and then there was dirt built up behind the tree, so it caused some of that Enough current to just... current break? Just scoured it out, like, yeah. another foot or two. It was maybe three foot deep, and I think I caught the first catfish in, like, a minute. <laughs> like, <laughs> Double or nothing. Right. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have made the second bet because I probably caught, I think I ended up, that was the only catfish we caught out of there. But I remember, I mean, because those spots aren't going to hold a pile of fish. No. Yeah. But they'll hold one or two or what three. Did you throw in a chunk of cut bait or a big old night crawler? Or what did you I think it was throw? a chunk cut bait under float, and I drifted that float right by it, and doink. There you go. <laughs> got him. Five bucks. Five, Five bucks. bucks. Yep. Victory is sweet. Ryan, you got some questions for Hank. Hank's got well, quite the extensive it, background. Let's let Hank introduce himself first. Well, he already did. But talk about like his trip and you know more well, about that starts what with the question. About. All right. The I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll preface, ask the question. I'll then, preface right? this. Okay. Uh, Hank is uh last summer spent sixty four days. Was that yeah. that number correct? Yeah, it took sixty four days for that trip. Oh, to, that's all? <laughs> <laughs> in a canoe with him and some of his friends and people he met along the way but but hit the vast majority of the mississippi 
correct? You started right about nineteen hundred miles of it. Yeah, you you started at a at a point that's near and dear, which you, we'll get into later. Yeah, why you started where you started, and then went all the way to the Gulf. So, um, I I did a little research this week, knowing you were coming on, but the most it's imp- about time you did something. <laughs> <laughs> the most interesting part that I want to know about is locking through dams. Okay, <laughs> when you're in a canoe. And, and did you lock through or did you pull No, we locked around? through all of them. Did you really? Well, <laughs> except for one where we Do you feel like an asshole a little bit in the little canoe locking through? That's I would feel a little bit of that. Well, well keep, you you're know, an keep asshole in, though. Keep He's in, not. Keep, right. in, keep in mind um <laughs> we pay taxes too. No. Well, that's true. <laughs> but we anybody um in a vessel as small as a kayak. They they haven't okayed it for paddle boards yet, but kayaks and canoes are, are able to lock through just like a huge barge on a priority basis. Obviously, okay. if you come up there and there's any commercial traffic or bigger vessels, they get first dibs. Gotcha. And then you wait your turn. Gotcha. Um, but how it worked real quick is that um, you could do it two different ways. You can come up there. There's a little speaker and a cord there, and you pull the cord, and it lets the lockmaster know that there's somebody waiting out there in front of the chamber. And then it's kind of like ordering a Happy Meal. You go, hey, we got a canoe here. We'd like to go. Oh, I didn't see you. We'd like to go through. But uh, I, I purchased a marine radio for our trip. That's smart. That had a range of you know, somewhere between a quarter and a half mile. Mm-hmm. And so when we were approaching the facility, I just pushed the button, and it, you know the conversation would go like this: We got a southbound canoe approaching your facility, sir. Is there any chance we can go through, or what is the status? Over. And, of course, then I wondered why I said southbound, because nobody's paddling upstream. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so now they know I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> we got that out of the way right off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we go through 20-some locks on, on the whole thing, and I think there's only like four times that we had a significant wait. Well, almost, that was my next question. Almost was... all of them, the guy would say, hey, uh, there's no traffic. We'll get the chamber ready for you. Come on in. And, of course, we're going downstream. So we're at the pool above where the water's higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they open the gates, we simply float in, and then they throw you a rope. You're supposed to hang on to the rope. And for God's sakes, don't tie it to your canoe because you're going to drop about eight feet. Right. You don't want to do right. that. <laughs> so, I learned so that the hanging, first time. <laughs> and then they let the water out you know, until it gets to the level of the river below. Then the lower gates open and wave goodbye, and away you go. So what was the longest you ever had to wait? About an hour and 45 minutes. That's long enough. Yeah, I got a cute story about that. My kids, uh, I have three wonderful children, and they were so... And two that are not. (laughs) (laughs) They were were so concerned about my safety and location. In other words, they just were worried about dad. Well, that's good, though. They put a tracking app, uh, app on my phone. Okay. And then they had it on their phones. So they knew right where I was all the time. For mm-hmm. instance, when we just finished going out of Lake Pepin up there, yep. I, I immediately got a ping on my phone, and my son said, peace out, Pepin. <laughs> well, <laughs> later, we're, we're stuck at this lock. We've been there for over an hour or so, waiting mm-hmm. and waiting our turn. And ping on my phone, and it says, once again for my son, it says, Tom Petty song. So this is a quiz. It's a little thing I'm supposed it's to like be around. like a riddle. Yes, and I'm <laughs> yeah. sitting there thinking. I told my buddy, oh, I got him. He knows we're at the lock. It's free falling. So <laughs> I, I'm so happy I got him. Bing, 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 free falling. Well, he knew we were at the lock. He also know we'd been sitting there for an hour. Yeah. So I looked down. It just says, the waiting's the hardest part. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
Well, in your defense, <laughs> both were applicable. Yeah. 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 That's solid. That is, that is awesome. So that's what the locks were like. Yeah, was, we just was there like them. pressure when the when the gates would open up and no. that like pulled you in or no 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 it no, was no current, current or those whatever. engineers no. did their job they did no no I always wondered that because yeah. you see those big barges come through and I've I've just never been part of that process so. yeah do you, Good. you ever get wake I'm sure you ran into some pretty impressive barge wakes especially once you get down to the St Louis area yeah scary wakes yeah um, from not just the barges and their toes but the buoys. Lo- no, upstream earlier, just from the pleasure craft. Oh, really? I mean, we're just in a canoe and like around, well, like Lake Peppenford's a good example, and mm-hmm. then Wabasha and Winona, places like that. Um, well, I know the pool Red upstream Wing. of Alton is pretty heavily yeah, trafficked I mean, as well. Until we got basically down to St. Louis, mm-hmm. we would have pleasure boat traffic, especially on the weekends, mm-hmm. and very nice people. They'd create two different kinds of waves. One, they're using with their hands. And <laughs> the other one, though, it's like, hi, you guys are cool. What you doing? That's awesome. And then they're swamping us. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they don't, They don't. a lot of those people, I bet, has never been in a canoe. Well, the worst they is no when they slow down. And it goes, and makes yeah. them big old waves. Yes. Yeah. So we would, we would, we would be, you know, dicing around just to avoid that. And of course, then you'd wait, wait, and then turn the canoe into yep. it to lollygag up and over. Now, the wakes caused by the barges a couple of times just because of where we were and where they had to be. It got sketchy for us, kind of sporty with us. We're a little too close to their their big tail coming off. Um, well, I'm then, not too familiar about most of Mississippi apart from the St. Louis area. Well, I guess I've been around, but I haven't been south of St. Louis. But when I think of going through downtown and the amount of barge traffic and how the channel itself is choked down and yep. more narrow yeah. there. And there's infrastructure and barges on both sides. And, and the yeah. waves bouncing back yeah. and yeah, forth. Yeah, you've got to take every wake twice because oh, when it comes. At least. Yeah. And to do that, how big of a canoe was it? 17, 17 I mean, that's a fairly substantial canoe, but yeah. it's still a canoe. Yeah. yeah. We look tiny compared to most of those vessels. But getting back to the barge wakes, um, unless you're real close, which, of course, we had to avoid. But fortunately, they would be big, big, um, oh, what's the word? Just, they wouldn't roll, but they'd just be big waves. Yeah, and you'd go well, right o- up and down. Up over, and down. Yeah. The, the, the trough was wide enough, big enough, that we would go down and come back up to hit the next one. Mm-hmm. We weren't getting pinched while while we're going down, the other one's breaking on us. Right. Yeah. So it was a whoop yeah. and down and whoop <laughs> and down, you know, like White that. knuckles so, the whole time. Now, you <laughs> know, after a while, you just kind of get used to it. Although... I was used to it. That's something my son Andy brought up on the trip because he was only there with me for like three days or so, and then we got another companion. I had eight marvelous people that helped on this journey. That's awesome. And he said, Dad, you know, you've spent a lot of time in your life in canoes, and now you've been in one for a month already this summer. He says, you got to remember these other people that are jumping in. He says, it's <laughs> right. going to take them three or four days just to feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and you're just doing it. He says, you know, give them some slack. They're going <laughs> to, which know, is worrisome you, for you. you are know, you the drill sergeant up there or something? <laughs> no, I, and everybody, everybody I had up front was was not only um, good at what they're doing. They they never complained. They uh, they just worked hard or or you know enjoyed it and and, uh, and they felt very proud of what they were accomplishing too to be part of that one for water yeah uh, mission. Be. So yeah, let's let's talk about that fundraiser that you 
that you had. Which is cool that you didn't just do it to do it. That's what I would have done. I would have. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I, I wouldn't have thought about raising money for anything. I would have just been like, "No, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna float the Mississippi." <laughs> I've got sixty four days. Yeah. What the <laughs> <laughs> well, the, to put to, to put that trip last summer uh, together, the first I have to do is talk about the trip we did forty three years ago. Please, yes. and yes. that was uh, way back in nineteen seventy nine. Uh, myself, one of my brothers, and then two other paddling companions, Rich Whipke and. Denny Weideman, we left a, a boat ramp at East Leaf Lake, Minnesota, in Ottertail County, right near a little cabin that we had. So what what part of the state? I'm not familiar West with Central. Okay. It's about an hour and 20 minutes straight east of Fargo. Okay. So you're so, still a ways up into Minnesota. Yeah. 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 Um, but we were wanted to follow the old fur trading routes that went gone through that area. Yeah. That on one side, the watershed's going to the Mississippi. On the other side, it goes into the Red River that went north through Lake Winnipeg. Right. And then on up to uh, the Hayes River to a place called York Factory, mm-hmm. which was the port, which was the first Hudson Bay Company outpost in North America. That's how the furs yeah. got over to England. Well, we were fascinated about following that water north. There's and, a lot of history to that water. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. Tremendous history. Yeah. Um, so we did that trip in 1979. Um, just we called it the, the trek of the halibut four because there was four of us, and it was just for the halibut. I mean, we <laughs> we we spent 70 days on that trip. Time, time out. How many, how days. many times have you busted that joke out? Every time I talk about it. <laughs> It's a good one. I want you to keep doing it. But I, it's I just, easy. It, yeah. you know, it's, it's simple. I like it. Um, but we did that trip, as I said afterwards, uh, when I wrote about it. I, and you were 20s? I was, I was the old guy. I was 27. 27. Uh, my brother Keith and Rich were both uh, 22. And Denny, the guy who wrote the book about it, was only 20. Um, he was working for me at the time. Well, I guess he wasn't because I had to quit to do that. But he had been, <laughs> he had been working for me. At the, Not only am I quitting, I'm taking this guy with me. Like, well, <laughs> who's going with me? He, he was he was excited about the adventure, and we needed another guy. And he goes, Hank, I got a canoe. I said, sold. Sold. <laughs> we only had one of those until he, he signed on. Didn't even look at it. But uh, <laughs> you're like, that's not a canoe. But anyhow, so we did that fabulous trip, you know, all those years ago, and we did it for the fun, yeah. the adventure, and yeah. to see if we could. And how far did you go on that one? That was about 1,300, 1,350 miles. So where'd wow. you, you started up in Minnesota, and where did you We started in the Ottertail River watershed. Well, once we made the big portage over from the Mississippi watershed into the Ottertail River okay. watershed. That goes west and forms with the Bois de Sioux River. It forms the Red River of the North at okay. Breckenridge and Wahpeton. And the Red River, of course, is a boundary to Minnesota and North Dakota. It travels north up into Manitoba. Then it goes through the city of Winnipeg. So this wasn't on the Mississippi. This was on no, the Red River. No, this is all on the Red River okay. heading north, okay. going to that historic place called York Factory. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, once you get past um, And Winnipeg, what time of year was this? Well, we started May 8th, and okay. we got down the middle of July on that trip. So at least we, it was warmer. Well, we started when it was cold because I wanted. I didn't have a clue. How long this would take? Right. But I wanted us to be in civilization when we're real cold. I didn't want it to That's end smart. up in the fall, yeah. way up there in the bush, um, and then have temperature issues. So, right. Yeah. Um, the a couple of really fabulous parts of that trip. One of them is trying to paddle Lake Winnipeg. If you're oh, four, it's huge. You're four farm boys from Iowa, and it's 350 miles long. Yeah. Um, and at its widest, it can get close to 70 miles wide. So when you're in two 17-foot canoes and you look out at that, you might as well be looking at an ocean. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I guess the only thing you had going for you is summer and the prevailing wind is from the south and you would have been going north, right? Well, we were going north, absolutely. But most of the time the wind was from the west, which oh. was problematic because we were along the eastern shore. But so the, days are, up. the you... days are long. Okay. You know, up there especially, we could get up at four and see to eat some breakfast and get on the lake if the if the water was calm. Mm-hmm. And I had actually taught myself to use a compass not just to find northwest, southeast, but to take a bearing on a map and say if we're at this point and we travel at this couplet's bearing, even though we can't see it, there's another point of land over there nine miles away. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at times we would cut off maybe a big indentation, a big cove if we we're real certain the weather wasn't going to change and we'd go at that compass bearing uh so a direct route instead of following the shoreline because if we followed the shoreline it would have taken you know way way too long mm-hmm. um we're very proud to say that we we canoed that entire length of that that lake in 10 days holy shit and so of, you're doing 35 miles a day well we had a couple 50 milers because of that 10 days there was a day and a half <laughs> sorry to didn't. undersell you well, no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just saying there was there, we actually paddled for only eight and a half days there was a day and a half we were weathered in right and we just stood there watching the waves pound the shore but when it was calm and it was doable we paddled what so was we, calm was there days where it's oh, flat it, yes as wow. huge as that lake was you could wake up some mornings and it's glass really yeah in fact well the very first evening we were on it we got a, a picture that's on the cover of danny's book is the sun setting across it mm-hmm. and it's it's just flat as can be and it's a beautiful beautiful lake it's just can be scary but so yeah. we got off of Quick. that and and then we had uh well, the Nelson River is actually what flows out of Lake Winnipeg, but it's big and scary. And even back in 1979, it had hydro dams on it already. Mm-hmm. So we were on that only for a day and a half, and then we kind of went upstream. But it's a marshy area, not much current on what's called the Ishamamish, which is Cree for water that flows both directions. Okay. Our biggest problem there were beaver dams. There were so yeah. many of them. And, of course, 97.3% of North America's mosquito population lives <laughs> about a mile and a half yeah oh my goodness i mean we had our rain gear on to keep them from biting through it all right so i we got a bat i have so many questions Um, (laughs) okay i'll i'll false truths i'll I'll, I'll go backwards in the boat for a second well how how many how long were your days so that you'd wake up at four the sun would be rising and then what time would the sun set well we could find our place to camp at 11 so you like you only slept four or five hours we were young we only did that. Now, keep in mind, Spence, we only did that when we were trying to get off of Lake Winnipeg. Right. Once we got past a little settlement up there called Norway House, which, by the way, we got weathered in there for three days, and we had to stay with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Mm-hmm. And between... <laughs> Voluntarily? <laughs> no. They, they, they welcomed us. I say, I've never stayed with a cop well, like, um, voluntarily. <laughs> I tolerate your brother. <laughs> um, we were there for three days and nights, and by the second day, uh, they had run out of alcohol of any sort. And so then the third night, uh, we were over at the nurse's station across the, the bay over at another <laughs> island. And, and uh, well, let's just say that at 9.30 the next morning, they were cooking us breakfast. <laughs> and, and we'd gone through the contents of their so, liquor cabinet so did they know you were coming and you just show up we just showed up. <laughs> like hey guys four and, guys in their 20s and, what's not to like and, no they were they were very welcoming and they'd say hey come on up um in fact the one night they were having what they called a cheek feed all it was was just walleye cheeks they've been saving up Ooh, you really? know bags and bags and bags of nothing but cheeks 
And uh, and then of course the I've never pro- heard of that. I'm going to have to try to do one of those. <laughs> so anyway, from there, then uh, once we sobered up and left, we <laughs> we had 400 miles of absolute wilderness, absolute pristine wilderness. So keep in mind those the route we're going had been the old fur trading route where they took the York boats and right. the canoes through mm-hmm. there. Um, in fact, York Factory, the the building that's there now was built in 1830, but. Nobody was doing the fur trading route anymore, so those trails were almost non-existent, and True. we didn't see any people. You know, we'd go two weeks without seeing anybody. That's wow. crazy, um, especially yeah. in current day society. Yeah, right? Well, but that was in 1979, you know, so it wasn't current day. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my personal experiences, and then applying that to how I would react being in the, that situation. Uh, and man, but, I don't know if I've ever went two weeks without seeing another person. It was no. it was marvelous, though, because we were blessed with great weather. And uh, we had these things to do when we got up in the morning. By the way, we weren't getting up early then, although, you know, it was probably six or seven because the sun got up so That's early. That's pretty but, early to me. Yeah. We'd, <laughs> we'd, we'd have to do these things. We had to stay warm, stay dry, and find something to eat. Yeah. And, of course, to find something to eat was just mean catch another northern and a couple of walleyes. You're right. And then we'd go to bed that night, and the next morning we got to stay warm, stay dry, find something to eat. Next day, stay warm. You know, it's extremely addicting. It really is mm-hmm. to live that mm-hmm. way. And we were doing that for a month or so um, to come back to responsibilities um, yeah. and realities and things going so And you got to find a job because you quit yeah, your job. I, I had, <laughs> yeah. it's a, yes, I had to find a job. Um, it's interesting. It didn't seem to bother me much that I was unemployed, but your mother and father-in-law take a different look at things like that honestly while i was in the middle of no place manitoba so you were married at this time oh yeah yeah but we didn't have any kids yet in-laws are very scrutinizing i've learned that my mother and father-in-law decided um henry should have a job when he gets back so they had employment lined up for me already in their hometown oh nice not only would i have a job but they could watch see what supervise Right. Enjoy your trip, sir. So, <laughs> so how I'm thinking of your your most recent trip and your past trip, and you can attack this however you want. You can compare them or whatever. But I'm kind of a, I'm not a gear junkie, but I have a system when I go do things, and I try to constantly refine my system. Packing for a trip like that, like then now, or just talk about both of them or whatever. Yeah. How do you go about packing for something like that's, that? That's that's a. It's, it's part of the challenge, but it's one of the fun things about it that, that well, you can I, think about months in advance. I'm excited to hear, hear you how know, you did it. <laughs> um, well, we, we figured out what we needed for, let's say, the first trip. We had, we, we had two tents, two guys in each tent, yep. of course, two canoes. We each had a huge, oh, those big Duluth packs. Okay. But, but it wasn't like we had our own personal packs because one of the packs would have the radio. By the way, we rented a radio from a place in Winnipeg that we could, if it got service, it was about the size of a cereal box oh, no, and real heavy. I think it was all battery, of course, and copper wires went up. And they actually gave us a license number. We were a licensed uh, radio operator, and we would call back to a station in Selkirk and mm-hmm. see if they got our signal. Then they'd return, and they nicknamed us the American Canoeists, and they'd say, uh, hey, <laughs> American Canoeists, uh, we've got your party on the line, because they would patch in then to a phone number down here in the States, and I could talk to my wife or, okay. or other really? people. So we had that along in case of an emergency. Uh, the problem was with it that it, it didn't always work. We couldn't always get signal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But and we never did have an emergency. But we also that's what we needed to use to get the float plane pilot to come and get us once we got to the end. Gotcha. But anyhow, we let me diverse back to we we're talking about packing. So of those big packs, we'd have your personal clothes and shared with one with somebody and 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 that and um, the big thing is you're trying to figure out food. Right. You know, yeah. what you needed to take, although we knew that from Norway House on, we were going to eat fish at least once a day, right. many times twice a day. That all worked out pretty good. We didn't really buy too much freeze-dried food because of expense, but you could just get mac and cheese dinners and things like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, there wasn't Crystal Light back then, but there was what's called pre-sweetened Kool-Aid, so we had little packets of that that we'd add to our Sure. Because then up there, you know, in the Hayes River and the... And Knee Lake and Oxford Lake and that you can just drink that water. And this of course this reminds me it. a lot of when I would like there was a time frame where I spent ten days straight on South Padre Island camping out, and I lived on beef ravioli and uh, I brought a bunch of Kool Aid packets because you, <laughs> you run out of ice, so hot water don't taste good. But you but put yeah Kool Aid put Kool Aid right. in yeah. it ain't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I couldn't. Well, we we had a resupply place, um, well, not halfway to the bay from Norway House, but part of the way out there, it was a, a settlement called Oxford House that I believe is still there. And we knew there was a bay store there that if we needed something, we could get it. Although I was pretty confident going, oh, we've got all the supplies. We're going to be fine. Well, we didn't. <laughs> um, and, and there's well, only one way to find that well, out. <laughs> well, we had, we had this... Uh, addiction at night just to have like a taste of home or just something different we'd we'd pop popcorn yeah we just love popping popcorn you said we kettle. have this addiction like of you're popcorn. gonna say we we do meth at night <laughs> well, or something well <laughs> we had to have our popcorn which which then used up too much of our oil for the fish oh so now never thought of that now um, neither did you guys but it sounds <laughs> obviously <laughs> that up, lesson I? learned um so there was two nights that we tried baking slash then steaming slash fish. Like, oh, it's when you're hungry, the first couple of bites, you go, oh, this is okay, yeah. this is okay, throw some more salt on it. And then pretty soon you're going, this is horrible. <laughs> we we got we to gotta get something different. Let's get so, the popcorn going. Right? So there's, there's a cool story. Well, now that we couldn't cook popcorn, you can't boil popcorn. You know? right, right. So we get to that bay store. What we need, we need to get some more oil. Mm-hmm. Enough for, we figured, like three weeks to get to the bay. Uh, to get to the ocean and they had these everything had to get flown in so these little tiny jars of mazola or something like i can't remember what it was but eight ounces it was way more money (laughs) than what we we really had with us and the the young guy running the store he comes over he says uh, so you need the oil and it's really costly huh hey yeah "Yeah, (laughs) man it is yeah he goes come here if you turn your back, I'm going to steal it. No. <laughs> he, says, he took us over, and of course, now these weighed a lot more to start with, but of course, we're using it up. But we bought a bunch of tins of lard. Okay. And yeah. so it was, it, was, it was within our budget. And then the cool thing we found out, and like I said, of course, it was heavy to start with, but we used it up, is that the walleye tasted great. I bet. Fried in it. I bet. But you can really get to like popcorn fried up in lard it's like bacon flavored popcorn that sounds pretty <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> may, i'm sure it's not good for you wow. i mean it's there's greasy globby but jeez it was good you know uh, so anyhow that's we're talking about packing but that's one of the things we had to f- figure out well, it's all packing it's all, yeah. all the stuff yeah. you had to take what's the food now last summer 
the trip going the other direction, um, entirely different situation because we're totally in civilization. Right. I mean, yeah. on the north trip, of course, we didn't have a cooler with us. This trip last summer, we had a small cooler because I liked having bacon and eggs in the morning oh. at times. I liked yeah. having brats at night. So we had a very small cooler that we put like a jug of ice in it. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully within four days, we could get some more ice. The By far, the biggest difference, though, was that we weren't going like this and dipping out of the lake or the river near yeah. us and drinking that water well, i was gonna say carrying water for so, 64 days is well so i feet. i've never done a trip like that and i'm skeptical of some of the water filtration systems in regards to not the bacteria but the like nitrates yeah nitrites that- all all that we stuff. Didn't, we didn't do it. We didn't filter the Mississippi or the Crow Wing. I mean, we, and even if you did, it ain't going to taste know. good. I don't you know, know. <laughs> like, like we, even if you yeah. remove all that stuff, it's not going to be satisfying water. So with two guys in the canoe, and when it gets so hot, oh, uh, gallon of Vicksburg, one to two gallons a day, probably. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we would try to get resupplied with water every third or fourth day, and mm-hmm. when we did. Just because it packed easier, instead of like a great big bladder full of water, we had twelve one-gallon repurposed old milk jugs. Sure. You know? yeah. 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 But but get that. So let's say we just got resupplied. We've got just under a hundred pounds of water in the yeah. craft. Yeah. 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 We got ninety-six pounds of water. You keep that on the we bottom. Start drinking it, <laughs> yeah. You know. So. Yeah, that was a huge difference is just having to have the water yep. and then having to get resupplied mm-hmm. with water every third day or so. And that's, you know, when we take our short trips, you know, we usually go on a week or less. And I always bring three, four gallons of water with me just because. But that's when we're staying in a freaking hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're out, out in the elements all day long. You I just plan on plow a gallon a day. A yeah. gallon a day minimum. Well, most of our trips are when it's cooler, too, like yeah. those types. But when when you're doing overnight camping trip, if I'm going to do – if I'm going to be out there a day and a half, I'm taking a gallon and a half of water. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. then about a dozen beers, at least. Perfect. At least. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> at least. Well, to get back to the trip last summer, um, as I said, the, the, the one north up to, to York Factor in Hudson Bay, we did it just for the challenge and the fun to see if we could. Yeah. And when I got this, basically it was an epiphany. I, I was crossing the Leaf River of February of 2020 up there near a cabin. I was going on an ice fishing trip. Yeah. And I was thinking about that trip we'd done all the way to Hudson Bay. And I'm thinking, God, that was so cool. And I, seriously, you know, you've heard of people having this like bolt of lightning out of the sky and cherubs singing and, you know. That moment of yeah, realization. Yeah. You know, a unicorn's flying by with rainbows shooting out of his butt. Right. It was just one of those things. <laughs> Um, I just thought, I got to go the other direction. That was Why the not? moment. That was it. Okay. It, was as, it was as if Journey and Air Supply were singing and telling <laughs> yeah. me I had to. You know, Steve Perry up there, go the distance. You know? so, well, I suppose in the moment, you're like, it's so logical. We just paddled just all down, this way yeah, north. Let's go paddle the other, way. the other direction. But when I, and, and within 20 minutes, I'd made the decision I was going to. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I also made the decision that it had to stand for something. I wasn't going to do that just for the fun and see if I could. 
Well, I'm glad yeah. you came full circle back to this because I totally forgot about <laughs> that it. So. Ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we we I made some calls and I made some, got some friends that are smarter than me and more connected, and they made some calls. And within a couple three days, we were partnered with basically you could say we had a marriage with the National Mississippi River Museum and Aquarium in Dubuque, Iowa, a marvelous, marvelous facility, mm-hmm. uh, and they have a take care program which is conservation action through advocacy research and engagement where they will impact up to 5,000 students from middle school through college every year, teaching them to respect and be responsible for their watersheds, plant pollinators. Um, How do they go about teaching that? Then? You'd they, have to ask Jared. He's okay. the guy in charge of all <laughs> okay. those things. And Jared... Jared, shoot us a message. Jared and those people are the ones that were getting them the money that, that we could get to so, be donated. So you helped raise money for this organization through your trip. Right. They okay. put together a fundraising page on their website, but most of the money came through with a, uh, my daughter, Robin, and the museum putting together Facebook fundraising pages. Oh, sure. And I, I wasn't familiar with Facebook. I didn't know how that stuff works so yeah. much, but they would put together a thing saying, okay, well, we've got a goal of $7,500 to... You know, Hank's going to float down the Mississippi River, and the money's going to the conservation programs up the River Museum. It'll help us out. Well, shoot, within like 10 days, we were over that. Oh, wow. You know, wow. so then they'd start another one, and they'd start another one. And as we went down uh, stream, I, and of course, I kept getting more embedded with this Facebook because it was it became very important for me now to to put a post in. Update, we, everybody. We put our yeah. own site called One yeah. for Waters, which we named the thing. And so daily, then, I would post on the One for Water site um, where we were, uh, what we'd experienced that day, who we'd met, uh, and then just thoughts and opinions on everything from fish to trees to hope to wonder, you know, just well, yeah. things let me to take, talk about. Let me take a step back. So the first time I was introduced to anything to do with you was through this site, which I learned about through Facebook, and I really, really, really enjoyed those posts. And then you carry that same voice over to the facebook post you now make as in like seasonal updates to talk about your times when you go ice fishing up north or you're in the turkey woods and all that stuff like i genuinely enjoy those i hope you continue to do them because i get yeah i I get a kick out and that's one one for water one for water and the the cool thing is if you go to facebook one for water the whole trip's still there yeah, I mean you can yeah. start from day one and go all the way down to the Gulf with us. Following that, have you have you went back to revisit those to kind of? I have to because I'm writing a book. Oh, you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is this? Uh, is it? Do you, do you want to make this announcement? Well, you can. I guess. See, as the trip was going on, and then when it ended, I had numerous people, friends or strangers, through mm-hmm. Facebook or just that I'd meet say, hey, you got to write a book about that. I Definitely. Said, I said, yeah. no way. I said, no way. That's going to be harder than the trip. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. And well, then the, I came You're up, not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. But then I came up with what I thought was the easy way out, I thought. And that was, I told my wife, I said, you know what I could do is I could just take the Facebook posts that I made mm-hmm. and, and the journal entries that I made each day. Well, you made a timeline. Put, put them on and do the trip day by day corresponding page would have pictures from that day and people could relive the journey just flipping through that yeah and yeah. she goes that's easy that's a cop-out why don't you actually write a book uh, she goes you're a good writer put in there things you think about 
thoughts, opinions, ideas. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted is, to keep you busy. It, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. So anyhow, so I do have a publisher already and I'm about halfway through the manuscripts or what I call segments. And the segments, of course, each day is a segment. Mm-hmm. So we've yeah. got 64 segments there. But then I also, like I said, I, I, I go off and I, I talk about fish. I talk about trees. Mm-hmm. I talk about uh, natural areas, why people are drawn to them. Right. I talk about what makes us go, wow, how we need to seek wonder in our lives. It was easy yeah. when we were kids, but now we need to get out of the routine. And I talk about hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and tie it all into that trip down the river and its mission and why we did it. I think I'm going to be real proud of it when it's done. I don't think yeah. I'm going to sell many of them, but it'd be kind of cool. Well, I'll you, buy one. I was going to say, I'll, I'll buy several <laughs> because I'll give those away. Those will be cool gifts. Like I got yeah. a couple nephews that are very intrigued by the outdoors. Well, I appreciate and, the, your confidence because, like I said, yeah, it's, 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 well, I, I can't speak for anyone outside of me. It's only like, about right, halfway yeah. through. Right like I, I'm going to I'm gonna buy some, and then I can think about who I'm going to give them away yeah. to as gifts. And, I mean, our my friend group is – Every one of them would read it. You know, that's, you what, that's it, the it, life we live. I, I, at, when I first started, I thought, well, this is going to be a chore. This is going to be work. I've got to schedule myself to do it and stuff. But as it's gone along, um, I enjoy reliving the day by day. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because I get out the map, uh, the big old Corps of Engineers map, say, okay, that's the sandbar we camped on. That was the river mile marker. You probably this remember is, some things is, you forgot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And this is... And this is because I've got resource material. I've got the maps, I've got my journal, I've got the Facebook posts, and I have the pictures, right. which of yeah. course are dated for that day. So it does, like you said, Spencer, it brings back a memory. Oh, that's what that tree looked like right there. And that's yeah. where Ryan caught that catfish. Yeah. You know, you can kind of relive it. So right. when it all gets done, I, I'll put a little deal in there saying, you know, uh, maybe you ran into this book because you're the one of the ones that followed us when we did the trip. And you could relive the trip just by doing a day by day if right. you want to. Or yeah. you can jump ahead and read some pages. But that's what I'm working on. So Well, didn't, didn't Andy catch a real big flathead on that trip? Oh, it wasn't real big. We figured about 11 pounds or so but the great story about that is perseverance because of course we had no way to keep any live bait alive yeah so when i was fishing or my companion was fishing we simply had some, some lures ca- no it's catfish bait some prepared stink bait okay yeah you know because we're just trying to get a couple channel cats for for supper mm-hmm. well he brought along and he had purchased a throw net or cast net yep yeah um, which i'd never used and neither had he <laughs> there so was a morning you know where this is going <laughs> i do so he he busts that out we're camped on this beautiful sandbar and i've goes, seen it done it's not a problem and, and there's a whole it looks lot so of, easy when somebody does there's it, a whole right? lot of, yeah we're fishing kit we were talking about that and he goes oh you just do this i go yeah you do when you know it but yeah as you can imagine there's a lot of splashing and and uh interesting words coming from upstream while he was trying but pretty soon he come back with a smile as big as the sunset he had three big shad tangled up in that mesh and he was so freaking happy and <laughs> i threw my shoulder out i can't then, paddle now and then, but and, and then honest to god it was less than seven minutes after he hooked one of those on and threw it out he had that big old flatty that's how it happens around. yeah when it's it, gonna happen awesome. it happens it was, right now yeah, that's awesome it was it was beautiful of course that fish 
we could we just let it go as you know it, it can grow to be so much bigger and it's sure more than we could have eaten so oh that's the we have props on the menu yeah i know it would have been <laughs> it <laughs> would have been delectable i've killed a lot of 11 pound flies <laughs> and this one was really pretty i think you probably saw the picture it was real yellow in color you mm-hmm. know and later on that trip in fact we ran into a guy who was telling us he was frying us up a yellow cat for supper but i'm not sure if it had scale or fur or or with, <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, you didn't care. We, we were we were way down in the bayou, and uh, anyway, well, well, where'd you take out at then? That I don't recall. I listen, okay. I've listened to a handful of different podcasts and re- recall your stories, but I don't remember the exact takeout. We point. we got off the. Well, first of all, I've got to explain, we didn't follow the Mississippi to the Gulf. We got off on the Chafalaya. I hope I pronounce it right. I you always did. say it that. Yep. We got on the Chafalaya because we were told, and what I read and everything. It's dangerous. You, yes. Dangerous. You don't want the uh, the problems, not only then the bargers, but you have the ocean tankers and container ships. And our 17-foot canoe would have been so tiny. And and both shores are, are full of parked out uh uh, vessels, so you, there's no escape. Right. You can't say, "Oh, we're going to get to the sandbar over those trees." No, you've just got concrete and metal yep. uh, yeah. uh, everywhere. Plus, then not only do you get in the Chafalaya and you get in a beautiful swamp area that's so unlike Iowa. It was just the mar- cypress swamp. Yes, yeah. it was marvelous for us. Well, to add credibility to what you're saying, there's a in like I was talking to a guy who's an avid cat fisherman at the Catfish Conference this last February and. One of his buddies was down there in a 24-foot uh, monster cat, which, if you've never seen this, it's Which worth, is a huge... Oh, my God. It's a yeah. beautiful... I dream of having a boat like that if I ever live on big water. But it with... I mean, you can put a 350-horsepower motor on the back of it, and apparently that was too small. Like, there was a few times where they were scared yeah. in yeah. a vessel like that. Yeah. See, I, I didn't want that. I didn't want that. I didn't want to put somebody else in harm's way. No, I absolutely It's goofy not. enough if I'm doing that, but i got volunteer friends that are going to do this <laughs> with me. That's the last thing so, you want to do. So yeah. anyhow, the cool thing then is now you're in the Chafalaya, so we got to see some alligators. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see birds you never see around here, yep. trees you never see. And it's it's flowing through the swamp so it's even though it's a big river it's one third of the mississippi's total amount of water they let go through there one third of it they need to keep the rest over here so they maintain the depth of that channel Mm -hmm. but because it's going through this swamp it's the it's one of the rivers that gets cleaner as it gets closer to the sea might be the filters because of the sponge effect yeah it's getting better as we got closer Mm -hmm. so it was it was a marvelous marvelous area to go through well Um, you're to keep talking about wildlife and I mean, those are the types of areas that have the most diverse, immense population yeah. of Every, critters. Yeah. yeah, especially yeah. that far south. It's animals that you're not normally encountering. So that yeah. had to be amazing. I mean, just to be sitting there, it's pouring on us one day, and Jim, the guy in front at the time, goes, Henry. And there's this alligator come up right next to his paddle there. <laughs> just, you know, the goofy eyes with the slit going up and down. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of staring. And yeah. then just, just like that, without a noise, it just sank and was mm-hmm. gone, you know. So you don't see that on the Boone River up here. No. You know? No. But anyhow, we Fortunately, got Fortunately or unfortunately. I'd yeah. look like a roadrunner if we did because yeah. I be, wouldn't touch the bottom. I'd be gone. You ever, you ever <laughs> see that Facebook video where the guy was kayaking and found a jug? 
and it kept yeah. diving down and grabs it and lifts it up and it had it was, the head on that gator was immense. oh so yeah. it wasn't a catfish yeah. a gator had it, it was yeah. a ga- in a gator's oh mouth yeah, and he's, he's thinking he's gonna get it yeah right. until he, he finds out what it is and he just he might have pooped himself oh. and I, well he had one of them pedal kayaks and his his about couldn't see his feet they were moving so fast. <laughs> <laughs> he hit fourth gear real right, quick. Right. Well, we ended up getting off uh, the river and being done with the trip. Um, the whole thing was over at a place called Morgan City, mm-hmm. um, Louisiana. And uh, it it is about 20 miles from actually being in the ocean, but you're in the uh, oh, what's there, called the there, intercoastal waterway. There can't be a, a city right on the ocean. No, there isn't. Because it's a delta. There isn't. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there is a road that goes to a park. I think it was called Burnt Point Park or something. Okay. See, my brother Keith had taken my truck and drove all the way down there just to pick us and the canoe up to come back. Mm-hmm. So we've got to come up with a rendezvous point. Sure. Yeah. And we were talking to him about that. And, of course, he Googled mapped it and stuff. And he said, which we already knew, he said, well, I can get to the end of the road there but he said you can't get to it on those channels coming out of there so you'll be actually down the gulf away it's only about two or three miles but yeah. at that but, point that seems still, like a, with a canoe two or three yeah. miles in a canoe in the ocean now i'm thinking and all the crap do you that. have yeah. i mean we are in the intercoastal waterway we are paddling by shrimp boats uh, that's close enough to the yeah. ocean for me. Yes. I mean, we'd gone yeah. 1,900 miles. I didn't have to go another 20 and then maybe have a problem. Yep. Yeah. I'm so that's that. where we got out. Uh, real quick, while we're talking about Morgan City and uh, places down there, Melville, Melvin, I'm sorry, Louisiana. And then I-, I started the trip on June 3rd simply because it seemed like a lucky number and a good day to get going. My wife asked me, why did you start then? Why don't you stay later for our anniversary and stuff? And I said, our anniversary oh no <laughs> well hey. i had remembered our anniversary so but. so you asked me about the guyana trip i i was in guyana for my anniversary last there year you go. So. <laughs> well it ended up being very fortuitous that we left then because it was extremely hot and dry in mm-hmm. minnesota last summer as you probably know mm-hmm. if we'd have waited like another 10 days see i left in this tiny little stream called the leaf river because yeah. i wanted to leave from the very same boat ramp where we left to go to Hudson Bay. Right. I left the very same boat ramp, got in this tiny little stream called the Leaf River, about 15 feet across. We are on that for a day and a half. I was on that because I did that solo in a kayak. And then I got into the crow wing, and from there on I was in the canoe with a partner. But going back to the calendar, if we'd have waited 10 days and left then, by then the Leaf River, seriously, we probably got too shallow to float it. Yeah. Because there isn't much water there. That was anytime. our river almost all summer. Yeah. But yeah. get this, if you remember what happened. Ten days later at Morgan City, Louisiana, you are in the epicenter of Hurricane Ida. Oh, Jesus. And that would have sucked. That would have been horrible. So when we left, it ended up being perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, with, when, anytime you embark on something as, of the magnitude of your to- that you're talking about, Little luck goes a long way. A lot of luck and a lot of good people. Right. You know, run into. 64 days yeah. is a long stretch to have good weather. How many How many of them were you by know. yourself? Well, I, I did that first day and a half in the kayak. Yeah. And then, um, well, because you kind of know Andy, he, he could go with me, which is a very special part of the trip, of course, to have my son with me. Absolutely. Yeah. But he could only be there for three days right before the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And then because it was right around the 4th of July, I, I, couldn't, I didn't have anybody to go. Um, so I canoed by myself from Hannibal down to St. Louis. In which the was Mark only, Twain stretch. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and 
but uh, it was really good weather. There was tailwind instead of headwinds. Mm-hmm. So I could stay in the stern of the canoe. As you guys know, if I'd have had much headwinds, I'd have had to move things around and, and sat in the middle. Well, Otherwise, it would have blown me all over. Yeah. As embarrassed as I am to say, I'm an avid kayaker. I'm not an avid canoeer. Yeah, and saying I'm just opposite. Yeah. But, but anyhow, I was able to do that okay for, for it was just a very short period of time. And mm-hmm. then once... Uh, and I, I had some great relatives in St. Louis that helped me out, put mm-hmm. me off the river for a day or two. And I got, got in a hotel room, got showered up. Mm-hmm. They did laundry, took me some fireworks and a great meal, and then okay. got back on the river with a new companion. Yeah. On on the we were actually going to get going on the the fifth of July, uh, but they had had really torrential rains in southeastern Iowa and that part of Missouri yes, yeah. uh, for a while there. Which so everybody there, else was having a drought, but that place was flooding. And wasn't there like basically a 20-foot-tall wall of water that came down the river? I don't know. Point? I never saw it. <laughs> I mean, not like literal, but there was a 20-foot rise in the yes, river at some it, it point. it did. It had gone from pretty moderate to over flood stage. Right. And, of course, right. I, I didn't want to be on the river uh, at that point. <laughs> no. So we waited... No. Because my next companion was this high school kid, a great kid, um, and a good, you know, obviously I know his folks very well and his grandparents. Unfortunately, his grandfather's passed away. But so uh, once again, I thought, well, let's let let's watch some of this debris go by and let the river go down for uh, basically almost two days um, before yeah. we got back on it. Now it's still That's pretty smart. high, but at yeah. least. I felt a little better about it, and 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 it worked fine. I mean, we didn't we didn't get any danger there or anything, but uh, but it, it actually did, I guess, help us go faster. Um, because, I suppose, yeah, because <laughs> you're you probably know, going about five oh, mile an hour for yeah. a lot of it. If you look, yeah, if you looked at the river gauges, of course, I always did get you know, the USGS gauges, and here you had this blip that looked like this because downstream, of course, the water was still low, and, and upstream where it had subsided, it was low. But there was this wave of high water, which, of course, was more current. Yeah. And, and for almost a week, we kind of went about the same speed as it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, finally, of course, while we're sleeping, it got ahead of us. But there for quite a while, we were, we were in some pretty high water. And then we'd look at those gauges because at night, um, probably about five or six nights in a row, we realized the river was still going to come up a foot. Yeah. While yeah. we camp. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so you that's to, important you, information. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because when it's coming up vertically a foot, horizontally, where's it going to spread out to? Six, oh, seven foot. You know, yeah. Or so, more. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Depending so on the sandbar. You, yeah. had to, you had to put your tents where you needed and then tie the, the canoe up. There's a couple of pictures I took where it looks like the canoe has just gotten away from us floating out in the river, but it was simply where we tied him up on a tree the night before and it came and up the, that the, far yeah, and we knew it would so, yeah but it, it kind of looks goofy like oh shit they're gonna <laughs> so, lose canoe. so i got that makes the trip interesting oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, to not have a vessel anymore oh yeah. well, that makes the trip over <laughs> there, yes uh we have an ongoing deal where we categorize not categorize but document just random shit you see floating down river and you went down like the epicenter of random stuff floating down river. Like, what, what is there anything that really sticks out? Because you saw all kinds of stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. But is there one where you're like, huh, that was really weird? Uh, I guess not floating. We went by some things along shore, like boats upside down in trees and stuff yeah. like that. And you go, huh, that's a I've weird been a hell of a trip. Yeah. You yeah. Know, um, we picked up like a happy birthday mylar balloon out of the river. And, we would 
we would always pick up some trash in the river yeah. just to make us feel better. Absolutely. Yeah. You'd be going along, and the guy up front would go, we can get that bottled. So I'd start, turn us over there, and we'd pick up maybe five or seven items out of the river. Then wherever we camped, you know, we'd clean up that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But you can never get it all. And that's another huge difference between the trip down to Mississippi last summer and that trip to Hudson Bay in 1979. Oh, you get away from people. Oh, and, you, you wouldn't find anything. Well, up there, all right. You so know? when I was in South America, the thing that stuck out within the first day the most was there was no trash. Isn't that cool? None. To see that? None. None. Yeah. The only piece of trash I found on the whole trip was a cap off a beer bottle that from somebody who had been there fishing prior on the same part of the same uh, uh-huh. outfit or whatever, and I picked it up. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You know, especially when going through like the upper Mississippi wildlife refuge and that, and then even down further, you're going by, I would guess, literally, I had to go by a billion trees last summer. I mean, I don't see why I wouldn't have. And so the scenery at times is beautiful, Mm -hmm. and the the birds are, are spectacular. But there was never a place that we pulled up and said, hey, this is where we're going to stay for the night, that we could not not find trash yeah fill a trash I mean, bag most oh, of the time. every yeah. time every yeah. time i mean it was always there and that that's just well sad. and even where we were at we were on i'll name this body water we were on the tennessee river and it is absolutely gorgeous like if you were to take a step back and look at the giant picture you're surrounded by the appalachian mountains yeah. you have all these hardwoods and pines that Oh, like the yeah. mountain pines. I'll bet best, especially, excuse me, in the fall, I'll bet it's spectacular oh my God. with the I, colors. I, I can only imagine. We were there in the spring before everything really took off budding, but I bet the colors in the fall yeah. are just spectacular. The fishing was great, even in crappy weather. It still ended up being pretty solid. Yeah. But we pulled up to camp on this island out in the middle, and the amount of trash there was just repulsive. That, we we, it, we so were on a 20 foot boat. And we couldn't have fit it all yeah, on we, there. We would have been oh, overflowing yeah. in a 20-foot yeah. boat with all the trash. Where, where there did was we three, go wrong? There was Why three did, soccer balls. Yeah. Three soccer balls. <laughs> we could have put on three soccer games on that <laughs> island. And there was a batting helmet. I found a batting helmet yeah. there. I mean, like, how does that end up in the river? <laughs> I don't like, know. I, you know. I know we're digressing now from different things, but that just makes me so sad when i see that agreed yeah but at the same time once in a while you find things a little more a little more positive at least yeah locally there'll be some boat ramps uh, on a couple of the rivers that whenever i'm there of course i always take a trash bag and i pick Mm -hmm. it up and as i said you know i was in the restaurant business and it's kind of like what i call the the restroom uh psychology is if you keep your restrooms real clean They'll stay clean. People don't want to be the first ones to trash a place. Sure. And you can yeah. go to a boat ramp, a very popular one west of here, and pick everything up that doesn't look very good and come back in two weeks, and there's a good chance it'll still look okay. For a while. For a while, because yeah. nobody wants to be the first one to start scattering stuff. You know, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. I really but, haven't. But if you, if we, and there's other people like you and you and me that pick up stuff when we see it, there's getting to be a lot more of us out there. Yeah. And, and that's a positive thing. That is. My go-to positive thing about this that's going on right now is I actually wrote a letter to an editor to an outdoor magazine years ago coming off of Lake of the Woods because of all of the trash that was up there. People leave their wheel, they pull their wheelhouses up and leave 
crap everywhere. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you, if you go back 15 years ago, you drive around Lake of the Woods, you, you might as well have been in a, in, a, in a goddamn refuge system or something. But now, and I was up there four times this season, you can't find trash. That's awesome. That, I mean, it has completely awesome. flipped around. Either it's because of the resorts. I don't think they're picking it up as much. It's just the mindset has changed. Yeah. And nobody wants to see anybody throw anything on that lake, and so there's nothing there mm-hmm. now. That's that's wonderful. That is, and that's that's an exception to my theory. My theory is that there's the mindset of, well, is it even? Did, did Sam talk about that? Like the idea that water washes away, like <laughs> anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but ice. I know what you're talking about. Ice fishing places. Just, they're gross. Yeah. Yeah. They cigarette butts is my biggest pet peeve. You know, somebody sets up yeah. on a shack for all for a full day and there's twenty the, cigarette butts on the laying ice. In there. Yeah. We we gotta get off this tangent. <laughs> like, okay. Anyway. All right, I have a question. Okay. Uh, so on your first trip, did you have bug spray when you floated the oh, red? Yeah. We had it wasn't spray then well, we maybe could have, but we had just little bottles of hundred percent DEET. Just little squirt bottles. The brand name was called Muscle. Okay. If they still make it or not. I haven't. And of course, it says on there that, you know, don't put much of this on because <laughs> do not use this. But, <laughs> but we, we, I, and I don't know about the other guys, but I lathered it on me. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it did keep them away. Um, but you kind of, now you brought up bugs. Everybody, every state seems to be real proud of their mosquitoes. Everybody oh, says, yeah. oh, Everyone's we got the biggest, like, yes. most, yeah. whatever. That's 100% and true. I, I, and I do not want to make people, these great friends I met on the trip last summer, feel bad about it. But when when the people in Mississippi or Arkansas or Louisiana. You have a pretty so, diverse perspective of those mosquitoes from, <laughs> well, from north to south. And the, those people would say, oh, these bugs are going to be bad. It's bad tonight. It's bad. They, they don't know mosquitoes. Down they, south? No. They have no clue what it's like to... To have to use a bathroom or something in northern Ontario the 15th of June, yeah. you know, <laughs> at night. Um, no, we, we never had a mosquito problem on the trip last summer compared to what you can run into on just a regular fishing trip. Right. You know, yeah. any time up north. So maybe we were just lucky. But no, the only place down I, south. I think the lack of moisture the last couple of years is really. I'm sure it played a part. But the, a only, little bit. the only place down south that I can think of that compares to the north woods and there are different species of mosquitoes, um, I think, is uh, South Padre area. When I would spend some time down there, we would – so you would fish the beach when – we did a lot of shark fishing. So you, ideally you're fishing the beach, but there was periods of time where the seaweed would get so bad that you couldn't run a shark bait. Because what you did, you put your bait in a kayak, you paddle it offshore, and that was my introduction to kayaking. And then you drop it and you come back in and you'd have – two to 500 yards of line out to your bait and it would just collect everything you know like anything Mm. floating down whether it's seaweed trash bags condoms whatever you know like everything floating floating through the current and if the seaweed was real bad you'd pick up all that seaweed and i shit you not there was times where i have one to 200 pounds of seaweed trying to bring it back in reeling it in like you want to talk about a rod like a picture you get a picture of a rod boat up like reel in some seaweed. <laughs> 200 pounds of seaweed right, don't do that right. yeah so when that would happen we'd go back in the bays and ideally it worked out okay because in the springtime you would have the most of your seaweed but also in the springtime you would have this 
movement of adult bull sharks into the bay system to have their babies. So you would have a shot in the bay at an eight to 10 foot, three to 500 pound bull shark. But the problem with the bays is you're off the beach, there's no wind, and you have all this moisture everywhere, and the mosquitoes back there (laughs) were absurd. Like, there was one night where I remember laying, I had a tent caught, which for the beach works out better because you don't have to stake it down. The sand's not very good for staking down a tent. And I dove into my tent cot at sunset with baits out, and I prayed to God that I did not not get a bite. (laughs) (laughs) And he answered my prayers. I did not have a bite. (laughs) A couple of the stories that I've kind of caught up on. Uh, One was saving the pelican. You you found a pelican along your last trip. uh, Yeah, we were... uh, uh, on the pool above the dam by Clinton, Iowa, and I had a young man, Kale, in the front of my canoe, a uh, firefighter from over at Ames. And then that was one of the days that we had a, another companion. We had a guy named Dustin that wanted to just kayak along with us, you know, for, for a day or two. Did so, you have a few, a few guys that did that, just came yeah, along couple, and couple times. Well, spent like a couple Jeff days? Jeff Kapask or? with the DNR went along with me one day up up. Uh, between like Dubuque and Bellevue. But on this day, we're going along, and you see a lot of those white pelicans, especially that time of the year. We could tell this one was struggling, something wrong with it. Yeah. And uh, it looked like it had some fishing line tied to it. Well, the good fortune is that we had Dustin in that kayak too, because then with two vessels, we were able to herd the bird over in the shallows. And I yelled at Kale, hey, high pockets, go grab him. And <laughs> he jumped out, and they, they wrestled that, that pelican. What, what it was was some real thin wire. That was wrapped up in, and Kale fortunately had some side cutters on him, and he cut the thing all loose. And uh, of course, the pelican's trying to beat the crap. Oh out yeah, of it they're still a wild animal. Big yeah. old beak, you know, and grabbing. Doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> he grabbed the hold of his arm. <laughs> that you know, but uh, we let it go, and it didn't fly away, but it swam away very nicely. And of course, we just hoped that yeah. it was healing enough so that it could fly again this fall. Otherwise. It was going to have one nice last summer there, but at least yeah. it was loose of that stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. a cool thing to do. We figured that gave us good karma for the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. For the rest of the trip. You know, and another story was the silver carp. You know, I hate I, them. I, when, when we're in a boat and you go through the shallows of the Mississippi, uh-huh. it, it just explodes. I couldn't yeah. imagine being in the middle of the silver carp in a, in a canoe. There's very few creatures on this planet I hate more than those. <laughs> those silver devils i I mean and it started out as just a curiosity because neither when we first ran into him and it was the days that andy was with me and neither one of us had seen him except in videos and you know stuff on tv or whatever so oh cool those those jumping fish (laughs) that lasted about five minutes i bet and then it was it was a war yeah they were winning they had us way outnumbered you know for the People that don't know what we're talking about, it's a species of Asian silver carp that their defense mechanism is to jump. And, of course, they're just and jumping. And they're good at it. And they can jump. <laughs> yeah. I looked it up at Wikipedia. They can jump nine feet. I'll tell you a little bit about those I've bees. seen them clear a 20-foot boat. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Well, they were hitting us on our arms, legs, and shoulders, and then landing in the boat. Now, we had this Wait, canvas. time out. Time out. Knowing what I know about silver carp, Odds are you're paddling in a silver carpy area, which is reduced current. So were you close to the shore when you were running into issues with these? That's what would happen. See, if we could stay in the channel where the current is good and right. we can go faster, then we didn't have any issues with them. But when 
Billy the Barge Boy is coming by sure. one way or yeah. another. Now we've got to. Did get... you guys already talk about this? I was peeing. No, if no. Was we, <laughs> we, uh, we would exit the channel, and we knew as soon as, as you said, we get over to the, the shallower, calmer water, they were going to blow up. And you knew it was going to happen, but you didn't know when for sure. Yep. And it, God, they just scared the bejesus out of you. And they, when they hit you, they hurt and they slime well, everything I mean, they're they 20, land on. You're talking 10 to. Yeah. 30 40 pound yeah. fish well supposedly they can get up to 80 pounds they have to consume because they're those you know filter feeders yep. they don't have a regular stomach so they have to feed almost constantly and they'll go through 40 percent of their body weight every day i so didn't know that not wow. only are they out he knows his enemy yeah, well, he is studying yeah not the only they're out competing the other fish for the food but their their constant forage just is churning up the bottom and screwing that all up the whole time well, if so it makes you feel they're, any, they're terrible fish. If it makes you feel any <laughs> yeah. better, I'm out there butchering as many as I possibly can in the name of catching large catfish. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use them for bait? Oh, yeah. they're a wonderful Good. catfish Good. bait, yeah. especially in the warmer months. They, if you were looking at doing some fishing, well, I, I mean, your trip's over, I guess. So maybe we should have talked, you know, prior to this. But <laughs> um, they, in the warmer months, they are wonderful big catfish. You know, it's bait. interesting that I, I didn't think of that till right now that those beasts that were landing in there. Of course, I was just getting so mad at them and chucking them overboard real quick. I never thought of cutting one up and using it for bait. I they, never even. I just wanted to get rid of it. So yes, bad. you would have stunk more had you cut one open. Yeah, they're, they're, they're disgusting smelly. creatures. I tell you what, the one of them slopped around down below me before I could get a hold of it, and it's not only it was sliming, but it was pooping mm-hmm. like it was born to do it. <laughs> so it's all Job. over everything. I mean, and in the in the back there, that's why we have the solar panel. That's why I have the maps. That's why I have the radio. Of course, I got those things pretty much covered, but. Then he was covering it with, oh, it was disgusting. Anyway, I hate him. One thing I want to know is what's your plans for this summer? How are you going to top that? Well, like I said, I'm writing this book. That's going to take up some. Yeah. Um, uh, and on, on a personal note, I'm dealing with a cancer issue that's going to get fixed, but I'm going to be spending five weeks up at Mayo yeah. uh, because I have to do the treatments up there. Sure. So fortunately, it was after Turkey Camp, though. So that is convenient. I, I actually start next week, um, but then sequestered up there. And besides the fact that I can cruise over to Red Wing and fish Mississippi a little or whatever, but so there's there's some light. Yeah, yeah. but there, it, it's going to give me time to settle down and, and finish that book. As far as my mm-hmm. the writing of it, before yeah. we format it and put the pictures where they go and stuff like that. No, I don't have. You see, except for those two trips, it's not like I go off, you know, down to the Amazon or anything. I, I, I've had ten day or a week and a half fishing trips, like to northern Saskatchewan or yeah. Manitoba or whatever. And that's one of the things that I do want to get back to this summer is a place called Points North Saskatchewan. It's, okay. it's past Wollaston Lake up there, so you know it's a, it's a long ways up there. It's yeah. actually from Ames. It's a twenty nine hour drive. The last three hundred fifty miles of gravel. Um, wow. But, well, I've been to northern Ontario, and we drove for 18 hours, and I felt like we were in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. You're talking a whole new level of yeah. the middle of nowhere. Well, this is a – well, for one thing, it's it's got some grayling. So um, I I'd caught them up there a few years ago on my first trip up there, but I've, that's kind of like a bucket fish. I've never even seen one in person. Oh, they're cool. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. you have to – if you get one, you have to hold that big fin up when you take the picture. It's, yeah, it's your obligation yeah. to nature. You can't take a picture just holding a grayling. you, you got to show off the beauty. Without that yeah. damn dorsal. But 
The unique feature of this area also is, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Athabasca sand dunes. No. They actually have a, a national park up there. Um, the, the Sand Dunes National Park in Canada, it is the furthest north latitude region of the world that they have moving sand dunes. No. So it, it, my perception all the time being up in Ontario and Manitoba is you get up north, you're in pine trees, beautiful lakes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Northern Saskatchewan, there are areas of, as far as you can see, sand dunes. And I, had, and it's crazy sand that dunes. I had no idea that that even existed. Yeah. And, and we didn't get to the, the main area of those, those big ones like I'm describing, but where we were on this canoe trip on the Waterfound River system a few years ago and where I want to go back this summer is, is where you actually have big areas, maybe 200 yards of just pristine sand. Uh, and, and going rolling up, and then yeah. there'll be some little squirmy pine trees and jack pines and stuff, and then some more sand. And you want to see something that seems out of context is to have a, a sounds a, out of context a rolling <laughs> sand dune with black bear tracks. That's weird. <laughs> it's like, huh? Well, here's what? out of context for you. When I went to Florida, I'd never seen a bear in my life, and then I'm rolling through the panhandle. Just got out of Georgia, driving through the panhandle. And it's 12 o'clock at night, and I've narrowly missed a dozen deer at this point in time and super tired, you know, after driving as far as I've driven. And I get to this little beachfront community where my buddy has... I hadn't met this guy to this point, but he was a friend of a friend, and my friend said, just the keys here, you can crash at this beach house once you get there, whatever. So I pull into town... And I I just crossed went past the welcome sign, and a black bear <laughs> runs across the road, and he's got an ass as wide as this desk, you know. And I'm like, go dog, right? And I'd never seen a bear in my life until I get to the Florida coast. <laughs> That's odd, isn't it? It, it? it felt odd to me. Apparently, yeah. it's the norm down there, but it's huh. not. That's the average cool. person thinks of like bear north woods, yeah, absolutely. and I'm I'm to the ocean. I'm to the Gulf of Mexico, and that's and where I, one. I see my first ever black bears right there. Wow! Cool. Well, it was winter. He's cold. Cool. Instead of hibernating, he headed south. Apparently, <laughs> apparently there's just oodles of them down there, man. Like, I know when we were uh, uh, at a boat ramp in Louisiana, they had a big poster there. Uh, explaining two things. One is black bears are in the area, but they're not legal to shoot. Right. And then it was saying, make sure if you're hunting hogs, you're shooting a hog, not a bear. Okay. That I guess sometimes when they're scrambling <laughs> through the bush, you know, a big yeah. old wild pig might look somewhat, I don't like it, I don't know. Well, having lit, spent some time in Oklahoma, them, some of them pigs get really big, like yeah. almost yeah. as big as a bear. Yeah, see, that's something I haven't been around at all. I, I don't know if I really want to. I hope they don't start getting into Iowa. But. I, I had a, one of my roommates, well, actually a roommate who I had for the longest time, Soviar, he, uh, he, had, he killed a 300-pound boar that had wow. razor blades, you know, on the oh, side of its face. Yeah. But he shoulder-mounted it. And that hung in our dorm room for the duration of we were dorm room. Yeah, that's the one that took out old Yeller years ago. Yeah, and he 
and Ryan, payback. And Soviar took him out. So <laughs> I just said something about a movie that you'd have to be seventy years old to even know about. So That's I, not I true. Because no. I'm thirty three and, and I still I cried oh, yeah. I oh, cried good. at the end of that. Good. Movie. I thought Absolutely. I was screwing up for your audience no, here. They're going, no. What is that old guy talking about? Some things no. are timeless, <laughs> Hank. So you gotta keep that in mind too. Like I read the book and I watched the movie. Awesome. And every one of my kids has seen Old Yeller. That's that's a tradition. Yeah, it's timeless. Keep you know, pushing some on. things just don't go away. Like Jaws. We were talking about Jaws yeah. earlier. You're that talking about how good the book was. That yeah. ain't going anywhere. Yeah. If, if anybody listens to this, you haven't read the book Jaws, it's worth reading. And it's not a long one. It's a hundred or hundred and fifty to two hundred pages, something like that. You could if you got after it, you could easily read it in a day. And it is if you start reading it, it's kinda of hard to put down. It really <laughs> is. I understand why they made a movie out of it. And then I have a lot more respect for um uh, who was the director? Steven Spielberg, Spielberg, Spielberg and uh, how he changed the plot so much and still made it really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, timeless. I mean, it's a classic. Yeah, obviously. Right. Yeah. Right. But if if you're making a movie out of 150 pages, you got to change things. Well, I, I don't <laughs> think been you do. Like every 24 minutes. Like every <laughs> every every book that turns it into a movie is different than the book. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's none that follow the the story exactly, and that that one's no different. Well, well, books have a great way of leaving mystique. You know, leave leave it's a the reader medium, man. the reader something to imagine. Where in a movie, you got to present that mystique and and engage an audience and retain yeah. an audience, and yeah. To to take that kind of to an extreme, and this is really going off on a sidebar, but there's Good. an author named Farley <laughs> Moat. Have you ever heard of him? I have not. Okay, he spent years and years and years up in the Arctic writing down the stories that, of course, were just um, language history. You know, they wouldn't write down, or they didn't have a written history, the people that lived up there for generation upon generations, but they told, told the same stories over and over and over again. Right. One of the stories he wrote was called, he, he titled it, Walk Well, My Brother. And it's about after World War II, a bush pilot was taking a young native girl to the hospital at Yellowknife because she had TB, and they crashed. And he had always thought lesser of those people just mm-hmm. because that's what people did then coming preconceived from notions exactly yeah. and the and the story goes on of of how they survived uh and how she was able to get him to safety because of her knowledge of living in that area even while um, being deathly ill right yeah um mm-hmm. and it was a short story called walk well my brother now the movie they made out of it which i highly recommend even though it wasn't a gangbuster or anything is called the snow walker um the actor barry pepper plays the main part uh, of the pilot that crashed and and all of their ordeals and it was a short story of like 12 pages and it became a really? feature length yeah, film yes it was yeah. a short story of the native people a story they'd had for years and it became a, a, a it's a great movie like i said i don't think it was a box offer off a smash but if you look it up on netflix or something and get to see the snow walker you will not be disappointed so that was just from a little story because it was a concept it was you know there's a lot of takeaways from this podcast this is (laughs) this this is one i'm proud of i'm i'm kind of kind of excited to edit this because i can go down and write down all the points that we talked about and then i can go revisit them boy we have gone spinning off in some different directions (laughs) well that's that's normal that's normal that is well ryan what do you got for questions left um that pretty much covered our crafts questions for Hank. Some things I want to talk about. 
talk about your turkey hunt. You were successful. I had turkey today. Oh, you did? I did. It so, was amazing. I told you I'm not a good turkey hunter prior to this, and I went on a, well, a few years You're drought. a good turkey cooker. Boy, I'll I give guess. you that. Oh, it was amazing. Well, Anybody listening great. out here. I enjoy hearing that. <laughs> that because meal this was, was fabulous. This yeah. was a totally new recipe. This was just something that my brother-in-law said, oh, yeah, I got a friend who cuts these tur- his turkey breasts into strips and rolls them up and wraps them in bacon. And I'm like, well, what if you cut the strip and laid the bacon on it? And then roll and that it. up, and then season it, and put your toothpicks in it, and hold it together. And that's that's what I did. It here. was awesome. It was tender. <laughs> it was delicious. So, all right, I'll, ha- I'll I got one more turkey breast left, and I'm going to do another experiment with that one. The next podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the cool thing too is I hadn't been to Spencer's house before. I had the address Googled up on my phone, and it says, "Okay, park here." I, 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 for the last two blocks, I told him I could have just rolled the window down and smelled the barbecue. It was <laughs> so good. I would have known right where to go. Well, so the turkey hunt was, um, I don't, I'll just tell you about it. Uh, we, <laughs> that's, that's what no, we're here for. Let us guess. <laughs> we'll make it up. <laughs> well, did, did I talk about how we got lost in the woods it's earlier in the podcast, season. right? Yeah. Like, so we got lost in the woods, go, couldn't figure out where the blind was, and we heard them gobbling 150 yards away, and I look at my dad and I say, why don't we just set up here? Because we have our chairs. <laughs> so we walk 20 yards into the woods off the, this mowed path. And um, I don't know, we get about 10 yards in and we bust a hen off the roost and she takes off flying putting. And I'm thinking, well, those birds aren't going <laughs> to fly over yeah. here. But yeah. it is what it is. So we'll sit down. And they flew off the roost. They gobbled once and shut up. And it was cold. It was windy. And I'm thinking this is just going to be a crappy day of turkey hunting. But then one random one lets off a gobble 10 minutes later. And, you know, we don't say anything. And then <laughs> my dad waits a little bit. Then he lets off a couple of yelps. And a love connection was made. And a love connection was made. <laughs> and my dad, all credit to him. He did an awesome job of leaving that gobbler wanting just a little bit more. Uh-huh. Didn't and do too much. Not too uh-huh. much. And he came in, not on a string. He took his time, but yeah. that's okay. So That way you enjoy it more. You get to watch him. Yeah. Well, we didn't. It was thick timber. Oh, The interesting part was he hadn't seen anything for a little bit, and I'm just kind of like scanning around, and I see a little bit of movement coming through some shrubs about 80 yards away, and see that fan come in, and he sits there for about five, 10 minutes, doesn't gobble once. Once I saw him, he never gobbled once, and this was over the course of 20 to 30 minutes for the whole duration of this since I saw him, but my dad's getting like, his butt's falling asleep or whatever. And he's, <laughs> he's getting antsy. And I'm like, I'm because he's in a tree, sitting, leaning against a tree five feet behind me. So I'm trying to whisper at him. Can like, he see it though too? He can't see it. Oh, he oh. And he didn't know I saw it. And I'm like, I can see him. And he goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, quit freaking moving. He goes, what? And he keeps moving. <laughs> so the, the bird eventually, like... Because he's looking right at us. He, yeah. knew, he knew where the sound was coming from. And the turkey just wanted to say, quit moving. Right, right. <laughs> well, the turkey ended up moving behind a tree, and I turned my head and I said, I can see him. Quit freaking moving. <laughs> so, so Now we're all on the same page. Oh, that's classic. <laughs> T- 10 or 15 minutes go by, and the, the bird's be- still behind this tree. I see him every once in a while on one side or the other, and he's not coming any closer and then a hen pops out, 
behind him. And I'm thinking, oh, Gabe, it's over. gone. He's oh, following yeah. her. Wrong place, yeah. yeah. But then another hen pops up, and I'm thinking, okay, it just got even worse. <laughs> and then two fans come up right from where that gobbler originally came up. So two two more Toms show up. And that's when he decided to come towards us. He's the easy one. Yes, yes. So he's he, going, that one hasn't moved for a while. I, exactly. <laughs> and and then he ended up zigging and zagging his way in, and then he sh- pops his head up about 25 yards away, and I dust him. And That's, that's usually my strategy, too. Well, I just job. bore him to death, and finally they're like, all right, whatever. I mean, <laughs> and it, and what then you get your head shot off. <laughs> what a great memory, though, Spence. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. yeah. You well, that with your dad? I was, yeah. That's what I was saying earlier is, like, turkey hunting, I, as much as I've grown to love it more and more every year, it really boils down to just an excuse to hang out with my dad. Cool. Yeah. Like, that's, that's really awesome. what it all yeah. it really is. That's awesome. Absolutely. You've had a few guide trips so far. What's just give one? Us, give us a rundown. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, I had a few other scheduled. I had a no call, no show. So that was an interesting thing. Last year, the guy had a trip planned and he canceled it last minute. And then we rescheduled it this year and then called him a few times and left a few voicemails and he, he never called me back. The irony of that, though, is my first guide trip with some dudes from Kentucky who drove all the way here to uh fish channel cats and stuff and from kentucky from kentucky to fish catfish (laughs) in iowa well they wanted a walleye (laughs) they wanted a walleye fish too yeah and i told them prior it's like it's not been great and it wasn't and we caught fish you know but it wasn't a phenomenal day of fishing yeah but they had fun but the the irony of that is the guy who no called no showed i went out that day and just beat the breaks off the channel cats like it was he could have had a trip of a day of a lifetime i mean i don't i mean a trip this time of year when the conditions line up like we were talking about earlier when you get them unseasonally warm days with that good south wind yeah and the cats just bite like crazy it's like the alarm goes off yeah so that was what that was that day where i fished for an hour and a half and you average it out i had a, a cat on the bank every five minutes <laughs> wow like and they're anywhere from one to eight nine pounds wow yeah. that's fun yeah it, it was really fun and i don't know is what it is but yeah i got a, a string of them coming up so sunday i'm going two to eight monday i'm going 6 a.m to 12 12 to 6 and then tuesday i'm going 12 to 6 again nice yeah so it'll be I'll, you busy. and the weather's supposed to be well, it's supposed to be cold this weekend, but then kind of warm up a little bit. Uh, the other way around. It's going to be Is warmer it? Friday, Saturday, and stormy. And then once that storm yeah. comes through, then it's supposed to be like 50, like low to upper 50s from for a while. Yeah, but the lows are getting down the 30s again. Right. Yeah, that's right. too bad. But for no. Channel Cat, there's ways around that. There are. There are. Yeah. And thankfully, every, well, the Monday, Tuesday trips is priority Channel Cats. Tuesday guy wanted to catch a northern and i told him just drive past iowa and go to, <laughs> go to minnesota wisconsin i'll meet you up there yeah but he's like he said no if the northern doesn't work out hopefully the walleyes or white bass will and i'm like well I, yeah. we'll see what that'll be interesting still... to see if you get him one well, yeah you know? I, i've caught one this spring is all it was a nice one it was about 32 inches and oh wow that'd yeah, be sporty big fat beefy one when i was walleye fishing but that's kind of how it works out you know like you never plan on them and they yeah. just show up yeah. sometimes yeah yeah they're tough yeah, it's not target. like it's yeah exactly that's what yeah. i say you can't say hey we're gonna go target big old northern pike today but yeah. i i just try to be transparent like this is the situation this is what you can expect and 
I'll do my best. And the 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 kid who he he's driving up from Missouri. He he was super fun to fish with. He booked a trip last year for flatheads, and we caught his biggest flathead on a trip. So yeah, and um, had a blast hanging out with him. He had fun, and he had enough fun where he booked another one. And cool. ho- hopefully we get a northern. Um, if we get a bunch of rain this weekend and the rivers swell up. Like I feel better about up the, your odds a little bit. They up our odds. Yeah. So and I I texted him a few days ago and told him like the weather looks better. I mean even in the like quotation marks prime northern conditions it's still a, a yeah. shot in the dark. But I'll, we'll we'll see what yeah, we can do. Good luck. You're gonna yeah. put the effort in. They're always That's... fun. They're always fun when you hook into one. Absolutely. And then like I said, worst case scenario, hopefully we can get some white bass or some walleyes. Yeah. So last question before we go to last cast. This time of year, you know, we'd jump on some walleye, get on some crappie, some channel cat. Hell, we were about catching flatheads this time last year. Well, that's that's my question. What is your prediction of the first flathead? What date are you going to land your first flathead in Iowa? I know uh, you already got one in February, but that was Florida. That doesn't count. February 1st. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think last year, well, it was May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. We went out catfishing, and that was my first one. I don't know. I think you had one, maybe two before that. No, caught one, one? that day. It Earlier was that right day. before you got there. I'm going to bet my, well, I got a flathead guide trip May 15th, so I sure shit hope it's <laughs> May 15th. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another one where I told them, I'm like, eh, I mean, we can book it on it this could. date. Yeah, but that was the only date that worked for them. So. That's yeah. that's that's getting three weeks is away is all right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hopefully, then, if I had to act like if somebody came down from the heavens and said, "You, you got to be within three days." No, you got to get the day right, or you're you're coming with me. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> You'd be hard hard pressed to keep fishing that day. He takes his going after. He takes his flathead fishing well, pretty serious. I, mean, <laughs> I think I think the most entertaining way to answer questions is to take them to extremes. <laughs> and it might it might be extreme for me to say that I'm even going to go to the heavens. So, uh, <laughs> well, that would be your shot, though. <laughs> that, that might be. Maybe that I, would be. That's your ticket in. Maybe I get it wrong on purpose. <laughs> Can you wait until I'm 93? I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna bet it's gonna be May 17th. May 17th. Yeah. So that person on the 15th just go screw themselves. No, we'll catch. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 catch fish. <laughs> he's listening right now. Yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, cancel, cancel. Yeah. cancel. And and I wouldn't blame him if he did. <laughs> Not a bit. It's gotta warm up. God, it's been horrible but the funny thing is the water temps are still in the mid to upper 40s yeah as cold as it's been they're still in the mid to upper 40s you and get that those few days a week that you get you, know, hits you get 60s one and, week of yeah. decent weather and all of a sudden i'm looking for flatheads if you could just get three days or excuse me three nights in a row where the lows stay in 50 yes bam yep exactly yeah. and, you and know that's the same with mushrooms the same with mushrooms yeah. and yeah. crappies and a lot of things, I suppose. Yep. Yeah. Once the mushroom season's about halfway through, you got a pretty good shot at a flathead. Once it's done, they're chewing pretty I good. I always kind of think Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a pretty good flathead starting point for me. 
But how many times have you got them around Mother's Day? That's when I start, though. Right. You know, that's yeah. when I start. You're just practicing. Yeah. I, yeah. I you go get through, your warm-up swings in. And... I, I go through my... Uh, it's in the cage for exactly. a while. Yeah. Exactly. I go through my mushroom hunting, and they usually finish up, you know. Well, some years they don't start till Mother's Day, but on a typical year, air quotations, usually by Mother's Day, that's the big yellows are out. Right. And then right. I have found what I want to find, and then... I start flathead fishing. Yeah. It's my segue drug. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Isn't it great, though, to have those the things you look forward to? Yes. You know, so, yes. yeah, oh, we're, we're doing this. Now we're going to mushrooms, and then we're going after flatheads, and we're going, yeah. you know, get them all lined up. See, yeah. my problem is I have a period of time from about the, the beginning to middle, middle to beginning of December till the end of february where it's i don't really have anything to look forward to <laughs> you should ice fish as much as i do then you would but i i mean i i do ice fish and have ice fish quite a bit and as as much as it has grown on me it's just it's not an 80 pounder right right <laughs> although catching channel cats through the ice is a good time it and that, is that, if there yeah. was anything that i've grown to love ice fishing for it's channel cats because you hook something that's got some shoulders. Oh, yeah. And it's going to pull back. But catching bluegill through the ice, I'm just like... Or even crappies. I mean, in June, they're going to be bait. That's yeah. bait. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I love most about ice fishing is that's a different group of my friends that really love ice fishing that sure. don't catfish. Sure. So in the wintertime, I get to spend a lot of quality time with, you know... A lot of the guys I graduated with. There's a camaraderie and then, part to it, yeah. And then in the summertime, I kind of switch gears and get a little more serious and go after Flathead, which is a different group of mm-hmm. guys I hang out with. So, just kind of my seasonal. We well, have seasonal friends, just like <laughs> seasonal activities. Well, we're always friends. They're just priorities are different, <laughs> right? <yeah. laughs> they want to go out barbecues, and I want to sit on the river and catch Flathead. Well, this this sets up our our last cast, and I. I kind of thought we were going to abandon this a little bit, but you you hold on strong. Yeah, we need it. That's it's a good segment. We don't have many segments on this. We show, only have so. one, literally <laughs> well, only one segment. And crap floating down the river. Yeah, we we yeah. try to get that in quite a bit, but no. The the last cast is a chance for you to talk about whatever you want to end on. You know, you either revisit something you've already talked about, or you talk about something else. It's totally up to you. Um, I'll start because and and just like normal last cast it might be one or it might be 30 right <laughs> you just keep going that's like that story just one more last cast just one more well, i almost last casted myself the other day into no catfishing because i rolled down to the creek and i didn't have any bait so my hope was that i could catch a crappie on on plastic and then chop it up and use it for catfish and well traded up well after about 10 casts or i think it was like Eight or nine casts, I'm thinking, well, this ain't going to happen. And then the 10th cast, Doink got a crappie. And I'm like, well, that was fun. <laughs> I better do this a couple more times. And next cast, caught a little largemouth. And then next cast, didn't catch nothing. And then then banged out a few more crappies. And I ended up casting for 45 minutes. And the sun's starting to get low. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to catch a channel cat, I better actually start fishing for it. <laughs> better switch gears. Yeah. No, but my last cast is just sharing my pure excitement about the upcoming flathead fishing like i love fishing for anything even for bait yeah 
But there's just something unique and special about like the camaraderie you get to enjoy when you're flat fishing. You know, when you're walleye fishing, you're casting, casting, casting. You're focused. It's like, like you're at war. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's I don't know about intense. that. Well, fishing war. But but you you're more you have this split engagement. Like when you're flathead fishing, you get to be totally engaged with the person you're fishing with and have a good conversation and just like we're having right now. But when you're walleye fishing, you have this distraction of your conversation. You got to feel the bottom. Well, people gotta... sway one direction or the other. Like there's people I've walleye fished with who don't want to talk at all yeah, because they want to be totally in tune with what they're doing. And it's not that I think less of them for that is just not That's something i enjoy as much yeah. because i enjoy the camaraderie and conversations of spending time on the water with other people and that's what you really get when you're catfishing yeah it, you know when people and you, it's a lot easier to drink beer when you're watching a pole rather than reeling one in well that's true so <laughs> you got two hands available that's so right. i solved that <laughs> I, I made i made well the all right, here's a funny story i made this koozie and ran like a piece of rope around my neck through the koozie and tied a knot so I could put my beard and hang it around my chest. Chest high. <laughs> well, the irony of that is six months later, I went to Bass Pro and they were selling them. I'm like, that's <laughs> oh, my shit, million man. dollar idea. <laughs> but you could drink a beer while you're walleye fishing with that thing. It was pretty awesome. Just put a big old straw in it. <laughs> you don't even have to lift it up. Beer dispensing helmets. But the, the whole catfishing thing, man, that's one of my favorite parts. As much I, I like catfishing by myself, but I also, I mean, there's two sides to every coin, and that the other side is you get to hang out with people and really enjoy, like soak up the company. Yeah. And if anybody says fishing's boring, I'm like, you ever sit around and talk to somebody? Yeah. Well, that's catfishing. Or enjoy with, what yeah. you can see or hear. Yeah, yes, you know, absolutely. There's so yeah. many different aspects to to soak up and appreciate with catfishing yeah. that you don't get. It's not the same with other things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Ryan, how about you, man? Oh, I'm just like I said. You know, spring's here and things are coming alive, and we're gonna transition into our our crappie fishing, our mushroom hunting, and then transition into some catfishing. And don't forget about the lowly white bass. Okay. Well, white bass for me are a subsidy or a side attraction. They're the main event. You know, man. usually, usually <laughs> when I catch white bass, it's it's pre happy hour when I'm on a catfishing trip and we see them explode. And, and we need blue cat bait. Then we then we throw some some twisters or some beetle spins or something out but yeah i i don't think i've ever just went white bass fishing i i do white bass before i throw out my catfish rods (laughs) (laughs) and that's just me you know i didn't i'd rather sit and god you're weird sit and watch a pole than than cast and reel and cast and reel and cast and reel just wasn't the way i was brought up i guess yeah Weird. And, and no, I am weird. There's, nothing wrong with having patience. There's there's nobody's gonna ever argue that I'm not weird. So we're good with that. But no, Hank, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate you coming out. You know, I looked into your story a little bit this week, and you know, it that's an awesome time of your life that you know you always take with you, and everybody that you shared it with will always take with them. I mean, that's that's. Thank you. Thank you very much. Some of the awesome, that's some of the best parts of the outdoors and, and doing things like that is just the memories that they're collected because of that. Yeah. The, 
the people I had with me in the canoe and the people we met along the way, you know, we'll never forget. But it all goes back to the mission of, of uh, not giving up on the planet, you know, trying to do something to improve it, even if like you're a person like me that doesn't have the knowledge to. There's a, there's a guy that lived a long time ago named Voltaire over in France. If he had a college class called Dead People from Europe, he was probably in it. <laughs> he was a weak he had subject. A, he had a couple of quotes. One of them was, eat your cake first because life's too short. But that's not as important as he said that every person is guilty of the good that they do not do. That's deep. That is deep. Yeah. So it's one of those things like I shortened it to our mantra last year is don't, don't give up. Don't say, hey, what difference does it make? Look at yourself and say, "Hey, how can I make a difference?" Yeah. yeah. So, and if if we do that, as far as you know, picking up the trash, being nice to our watersheds, planting a tree or two, you know, it it'll make a difference in the long term. And just so. making people aware of it while you do it. Yeah. You know, getting the word out. Yeah. Because well, thank you for having me here. So that. Uh, well, you're welcome I anytime. I just want to say that. Yeah. Anytime that, at all, uh, man. It's been to tell a blast. stories like that, and then to maybe get people to to say, "Hey, you know, that's a cool idea. Let's." Uh, Let's never throw anything out the window anymore. And when you go on a walk or a bike ride, take a bag with you. Yeah. And just always say, hey, you're not going to pick it all up, but pick up some. Sure. Yeah. If everybody one, does One it, Walmart bag is. Yeah. And usually you can find one. Yes. And then you can. <laughs> <laughs> but that used to be my, me and my son's deal. Before we casted one single pole, we'd pick up a Walmart bag of trash and then we'd go fishing. That's Solid. awesome. Yeah. That is so awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, if I have anything to do with it, you'll be on another podcast. And you you live close enough to me where I don't feel too bad asking you to come over here. Can I can I make a, a suggestion though? You can do whatever the hell you, you want. You promise me you have some of that grilled turkey. By <laughs> <laughs> God, I'll be here every Thursday or whatever day that we can. His just... fish isn't bad either though. Oh, God, that was you good want food. Some fish, I it? feel better about my fried fish than I do my grilled turkey. All righty, well, your, your turkey was pretty top notch. No, but, it was good. Well, but, let's but, hope fourth season goes thank you. good. Well, uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to come back sometime, and uh, I also need to have some time that we float down the river together, you and my son. Well, that's what I was thinking. After well, you mentioned need to do you're, that. you're going to be up north, and one, once you get all your treatment taken care of, we'll have to go do a float. That'll yeah, be a good time. Yeah, I'll have a lot more time in July and August, I hope. So that'll be okay. cool. Absolutely. Super. Well, thank you to everybody who took the time to listen to the podcast. If you want to support it, there's a handful of things you can do. You can get you a badass pair of sunglasses, Waterland sunglasses, promo code RC15. Say, you save a little bit, and then we get a little kickback that helps run this. And then uh, Bigfoot Bushcraft Fire Starters. Just love saying the name. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember the promo code this time. Spencer Bauer. And that'll be... Who's li- that? Yeah. You're, you're that river certified well, guy. He's, <laughs> both of them are assholes. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, use that promo code. You save a little bit. We get a little bit of kickback. Spell your name. Really? Oh, how oh, many I, how many different ways can you spell Bauer? Oh man, just look at my mail. <laughs> B A U E R is how you spell Bauer. Spencer is S P E N C E R, then B A U E R. But if you misspell it, they should give you like an extra five percent off. Right. <laughs> I get more, I get more than I deserve already, so that's okay. <laughs> but you, you, those things, you you know, you get a little, and then we get a little, and that helps out a lot. I and they're good products. I don't they're accept charity. Junk. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's like if you're going to spend some money, you might as well get something. I don't want any charity. So, 
But the biggest thing I appreciate is you taking the time to listen to this podcast. It yeah. means a ton. Because we're going to do them anyway, because we have a blast. <laughs> Absolutely. We have a blast Absolutely. when we do them. And if you can enjoy it while we while we have fun, that's It's that's just a awesome. win-win. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for taking time to listen, guys. Hope you catch a giant. Thanks, guys. Now in Waypoint TV's 2023 Series Showdown. Your favorite hunting and fishing shows are going head-to-head. Visit waypointtv.com to vote and be entered to win a giveaway from Element Outdoors. Cast your votes during each round until the champions are crowned. Get in the game and vote in the Series Showdown. Presented by Expedition Enterprises and Vote Trader. Only at waypointtv.com. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.